Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Brothers, we're happy and we're singing and we're colored. Give me a high five. All right, cut and print. Beautiful guys. Dynamite. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder, the Equal Opportunity True Crime Comedy Podcast. I am Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. What up? Folks, welcome to the last, the last episode of 2019. What a year it's been. Yeah. A year that's seen uh, people going crazy over chicken sandwiches, uh, a lot of cool music dropped, some fun movies dropped, and just in time for the year's end a docu-series that has shaken the nation, has uh, brought people to their knees. I still have one episode left, and I almost don't want to finish it because it is just, it is shocking and unbelievable. And you think it's, you're like, you think it's going to go left, and it goes super right. Yeah. Of course, I'm talking about the Netflix docu-series Don't Fuck With Cats. Uh, It is the story of this interesting, to say the least, dude named Luca Magnata and the search for him. He's like a you know, it starts off as these people, they're looking for this cat killer to get mm-hmm. internet justice, and it goes down a rabbit hole of epic proportions. Uh, <clears throat> Fran, I had posted about it on Facebook, and you have all this time off right now, yeah. so you were able to just get right on it. I you mean, I so watched it immediately. Yeah, so this is new for me, because usually I'm the person that watches the stuff, yeah. and then you, it takes you a long time, <laughs> you know, to catch up, and you know, I, I don't know that reference. Yeah. But you saw the whole thing, I still haven't even finished it. Yeah. What did you think of Don't Fuck With Cats? Wow, man. Yeah. Like, you didn't see it coming, right? No. You just go off the title. It's kind of yellow and big. It kind of yeah. looks funny. Like, the, yeah. the, the lettering for the for the uh, the little window to show you. It pops you. up like, um, what's that, Mirrors? What's that show? Black Mirror? Yeah. yeah. That's how, the, how how it's presented on Netflix. Yeah. It looks like that. Yeah, so I, I didn't, I just thought it was like uh, funny. Yeah. Not funny, but like, uh, you know how sometimes something is not that serious, but they make it into this whole thing? Mm-hmm. Like, not, Killing Cats is fucked up, but I thought, you know, I mean... This seems like the the tone of this is very dark and serious, yeah. mm-hmm. and it was justified. Yeah, um, I was super shocked because, like I said, killing cats is super terrible. Obviously, so when it goes to that part, you are you already are taken aback and uh, yeah. in disbelief, and then but where it goes from there is nuts. Yeah, in the beginning, watching it, I was like, um, I was like, this might be a little rough. I was like, I like I like cats. I don't mm-hmm. have no problem with cats. I had a cat before. So it's like I'm watching it, and no, then it's no like no cat beef on this pod. Yeah, and then it's like um, 
the, when it starts the beginning or whatever, you like. I, I was like, I don't know if I can. Uh, man, Steph was watching. I was like, yeah. I don't know if I can watch this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I didn't know, I didn't know what there was was going to show, show and not going to show. Yes, so I was like, so when they first showed, <laughs> I, I had the same issue because when they first showed the first two cats that yeah. you know stuff stuff happened to, I wasn't aware that they were going to cut away. Yeah. So I was in my head. I said. No, yeah, I, 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 I had, uh, I had food. <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, no, nah, I'm not gonna. Let me sit this down. Yeah, I told, yeah. I told Steph, I was like, I turned my head. I was like, I don't know if I can watch. Yeah, because they, they put this. those. Ca- if I, was, I said to myself, <laughs> I said, if they, put, if they put these cats in this bag and they show these cats die, yeah, I gotta cut this. That'd off. be it for me. I don't care how pe- how much people talk about this. I yeah. can't watch shit like this. Yeah, so I was like, I was, I was happy. Yeah, and felt relief that they didn't show that part. And they but, used a really good strategy by showing uh, somebody else's reaction to the yeah. video. Yeah, you know. And speaking of that, I love those type of documentaries because it's like it's super raw yes. and it's like th- when it begins it's like how was your day oh good pitting on the mic yeah uh-huh. giggling laughing yeah, and then yeah. shit gets real yeah, after that yeah shit then goes into <laughs> some dark I, lo- I fucking love yeah, that shit she's making jokes yeah. about her, and, uh, song, her, uh, her Facebook name being about a Beastie Boys yeah. song and then shit got crazy I, I love that shit also the, <laughs> yeah also like so I'm only on episode 2 mm. but it blew my mind as somebody because it I didn't know it was a true crime documentary. Me either. Going into it. You know, I, I thought it was about don't fuck with cats. Yeah. Don't kill cats or whatever. And it turned into a full-blown do- uh, true crime documentary yeah. where they're referencing other serial killers. And, yep. and Paul, Bernard, Paul Bernard was brought up and yep. Carla Homolka. And actually, um, an, uh, another uh, true crime story that actually I researched and I'm doing today mm-hmm. was referenced in this doc in this docuseries. And I wasn't expecting that at all. I just, yeah. I didn't think it was going to be a true crime docu-series, you know? So lucky for us, it really made me go, we got to bring back Serial and Serial, man. This, yeah. we got to. I wanted to text you and go, yo, we should have did this. Yeah, yeah. We should have yeah, just pulled this yeah, one out. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like we, a Christmas present. Yeah, for sure. Like, hey, <laughs> just feed the streets. Like, hey, surprise, you know, we, yeah. we Serial and Serial. This. There's still, a, you know, you know, uh, I if we were to do it, I would want to do it before the hype died down. Yeah. So we'd need to do it in the next 30 days. Yeah. We might, you know, so, yeah. but you know, the, the main priority is getting affirmative murder out. So, mm-hmm. you know, if we can, if we can get together and, and get some tasty cereals and do a, a cereal, cereal and cereal about this, I absolutely would love to do that. Yeah. But you know, if not, we still can talk about it on here and how mm-hmm. fucked up that shit was. Cause that shit was crazy. I yeah. don't even know what's coming in episode three. I said you didn't finish it. Yet. I didn't even finish it. So I already am. Wow. I'm already in uh, disbelief. Yeah. Because when they went to the point where they're like, this dude's a model and it turned into some Zoolander shit. And he's, well, people say I have a really deep voice. And, crazy. Uh, you know, they say I'm devastatingly good looking. I was like, oh, this dude's crazy. This dude is nuts. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Luca Magnata. And then, and, oh, <laughs> yeah. I, I can't wait. I'm super excited <laughs> to get to that. Um, as far as 2019 obviously goes, you know, social media um, situations were cool, but you know, you cl- you capped out 2019 in a big way with a whole ca- child. Yeah. So I would assume that's the highlight for you. Yeah. The highlight for me would have to be um, we were, uh, getting engaged mm-hmm. was super dope. 2019 was a very family filled year for both of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I started off 2019 with an engagement, ending 2019 still not having tried the Popeyes chicken sandwich. Um, standing on my morals on that, you know, yeah, I'm just, I'm just gonna go ahead. That. I'm just gonna go ahead and just not. I'm okay, just, I'm just gonna go ahead and be the guy that not, unless you come in here with the, with the McDonald's and the and the Popeye, which I don't even know if this, if McDonald's has fed the streets with that yet. But if so. they do, and you come in and surprise me, I'll do it for the content. We'll yeah. put the mics on and I'll do a taste. I test. might just bring you one then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll just do that. But no, only in that in that scenario. And what scenario? Both of them? Yeah. Or if you just pop up and. Yeah. Either you want to eat it because yeah, I didn't I'll, buy this shit for nothing. Yeah, I'll, all right. 
You don't have to threaten me, man, okay? <laughs> um, on a more serious note, I wanted to t- discuss this story, which I feel like we had to have discussed. I, 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 I was thinking to myself, did we discuss this as a good vibes or an initial story? I remember either you brought it or I brought it, and we were saying this girl killed the guy that uh, sexually assaulted her and burned his house down and stole his car. And I was... I feel like we discussed it, but I'm not 100% positive because I was, as I was reading the story, uh, th- hmm. what, I'm, what I'm discussing is the story of uh, this girl, uh, um, Crystal Kaiser, mm-hmm. who is facing life in prison for killing a guy who uh, uh, raped her yeah. underage and didn't get off. He got off. He got no time for what he did. And when he got out, she tracked him down and she killed him, burned his house down and stole his car. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a lot of similarities between this and the Centoya Brown case yeah. in the sense that raping a child is disgusting yeah. and terrible. And I have no sympathy for that. But premeditated murder is the law is the law. Mm-hmm. You know, as a person who says... Oh yeah, no, great! Like get get your revenge, and that's terrible. And this person shouldn't be on the streets, and all. I agree with that, but to track that person down and kill them and burn their house down, I just I don't know, man. I'm not saying she deserves to be in jail for the rest of her life. I think, but I think I think what happened to her should come into play during her trial, mm-hmm. and maybe she'd be given a more lenient sentence, or maybe she'd be given sent to uh, like a um, mental hospital and be, really be given help. Yeah, because that stems from pain and anger yeah and, and it's not it wasn't just like uh she she robbed him and stole his car mm-hmm. the same thing in this Antonio brown case if, if i'm not a woman and if a woman says this guy took me over to his house you know i, I obviously am 15 years old mm-hmm. and you know you know I, I i i did not have consenting sex with him because even though i was doing sex work he was this age and i'm a child mm-hmm. so throw that out you already throw that out. It doesn't matter if she was on the streets doing whatever. He's wrong. Yeah. Already. And Satoya Brown goes, he had a bunch of guns in his house. He was showing me the guns. He was saying kind of weird things. I feared for my life. Mm-hmm. Now, if these police officers on the street get to just say that and it's like, that's like the trump card. If, if a police officer says, I feared for my life, it's like, well, hey, you yeah. have to do what you have to do. Mm-hmm. That should that has to apply to just people across the board then. Because I'm a human just like that police officer is a human. And if I fear for my life, I'm going to do what I have to do to survive. Yeah. So if this girl felt like he was going to come after her again, uh, she wasn't safe with him on the streets, whatever, she feared for her life mm-hmm. is what I have to assume. Now, you can't just roll up on somebody, kill them, and burn their house down and steal their car. So I don't think she just should not. Free her is like a is a little too much for me. But I think the circumstances in which she got to that point should absolutely come into play during her trial. Mm-hmm. And I hope she is given help and not punishment. Um, have you done much looking up on this? Like, I heard you- the story, but the side I'm going to lean on is not saying that he deserves it. Sure. But but he does. I, I, yeah. I think he does. Yeah. You know? Also, none of us know... Well, can imagine what she went to, and as far as her being sex trafficked and whatnot, and yeah. none of us know what that did to her mentally, physically. None of us know. Yeah. So she probably went through something that we can't imagine. And probably was like the trauma. This is this mentally is fucking with me, yeah. and then it's like I need 
some type of revenge on this guy, and then he's getting out yeah. after he did what he. We don't no, know what. No like, punishment. I don't know, but just I, to make it clear to anybody who wasn't aware, uh, um, Crystal Kaiser was 17 years old, and this guy uh, Randall. Uh, no, I'm sorry, uh, Kenosha. What is his first name? Uh, it uh, doesn't matter what it is. I can't find his first name, but his last name is Kenosha. This dude was 34 years old, and uh, he sexually assaulted her. Got arrested, got off. You know, you know the, you know, beat the charges, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Got out on the streets, and then this girl followed up and ended up in killing him and murdering yeah. him. So, I mean, killing him and burning his house down mm-hmm. and stealing his car. Yeah. Um. It is. It, it. Now, what if it was a family member? How how different is that than? You you're, know, you're asking me. Yeah. If 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 a family member of mine was. In this situation, what if this like what was if a, this like, happened if, to a family member? If, if this was if this was her dad or something <clears throat> that Say, did it to her, that did this to him. Oh, uh, that's that's worse, like criminally. I think I think you, that's that's the same emotion, mm-hmm. but that's even more like you have no. I'm sure if something happens to your child, you're traumatized, mm-hmm. but it's not. It's like secondhand trauma. If uh, the girl I saying I that. killed I killed him because he did this to me, and a parent saying they did this to my kid, and so I went and killed them and burned their house down mm-hmm. and took their car, I feel like you have less of a trauma angle to play off of. Even if, even if she made like even if she was killed. <clears throat> see, see, this is the thing. I don't like these. I don't like these. Uh, like you know, uh, hypotheticals like this because you take you. You can take it to a point where it's like, well, obviously, yeah. If that happened to me, but you I, still, would, I would but you, kill that person. But, you but I would also to, expect to go to jail. Yeah, it's I still premeditated. You still got to think about it. I wouldn't expect to beat it. I okay. think that she has a chance to beat this. Okay. Because it was directly happened to her. She might not have fear. She might have fear for her safety with this guy being out on the streets. But a dad doing this, like. Look, man, you got your revenge and everything, but you got to expect to go to prison for the yeah. rest of your life. I don't, I don't know about it. I just. Mm, nah. I'm going after him. I, and and I, him or her. I, I fully understand. That's not the that's not the argument here yeah. for me. I fully understand that a parent, a brother, her herself, which in this case it happened, and other going, victims, and absolutely going and doing that. Yeah. I, I fully understand that. I'm just speaking from a side of yeah. beating the case. Okay. I don't know if a brother is beating that case. You know, mm. it, it, everybody in the jury can understand, but the job of a jury is to be objective and uh, I mean, I'm sorry, non-objective. Yeah. And 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 say these are the facts. Was it illegal? Was it premeditated murder? Did he commit a crime? That's it. You can't go. Yeah, yeah but it's her brother, and he's older. His older, mm-hmm. her older brother, and they went. He used to walk her to school. You can't bring any of that into it. You know. So I need, I, I need I, to know more facts. I don't know a lot of. I don't know if exactly what happened is true. And that's that's the thing also yeah. for me because this could be a, like a relationship or some shit like they had and but, some extra shit. But that's the thing. That was the thing in the Centoya Brown case where yeah. a lot of people, it was framed as she was being sex trafficked by the guy that she killed. Mm-hmm. She had a pimp named Cutthroat. All of it's wow. nasty and fucked up. Yeah. But that guy that she killed wasn't like hiding her in a basement and had her chained. And, you know, the sex trafficking people ha- has certain imagery. That was just a customer, that guy. Yes. Like, yes. Gotcha. But at the same time, she's underage. So it doesn't matter if he was a customer, he raped her. Yeah. If it was, if she said, you know, let's have sex, pay me this much, whatever, it's rape no matter what. In this case, she's 15, she's 16, 17 years old. He's in his 30s. It doesn't matter if they were in a relationship. Mm. 
he shouldn't be messing with a 17. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So even if it was consenting, if something comes out like that, it's still not cool. Yeah. Because he's 35 years old and she's 17. You know, so that's the hard part is I don't know if all the facts have come out, but I don't know what would come out where I would go, well, hey, well, she shouldn't have been doing that. You know, where it, it's still predatory. It's still this guy, you know, using his age and his size and 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 and, and being impressionable or whatever. If if it's that if it was that kind of situation where mm-hmm. he, you know, coerced her into having sex with him and it seemed consensual. It's still not consensual because she wasn't old enough to consent. Yeah, but with that, if this didn't happen, the way then, it's being framed, or if this didn't, ha- if he didn't get killed and and all this bad stuff that happened, it'd just be like, well, you know, maybe she was doing sex work and this guy was just a customer, and then it's just yeah, sick, but it is what it is. But yeah. somebody's, but somebody, this story coming out and then he gets killed, and I was like, yeah, he shouldn't have been. Like obviously he shouldn't been with her, but right. now that now that. He's dead, and I was like, "Oh well, she shouldn't have did it." And you know, she created the whole situation. It's just like it gets messy when somebody dies. It's just oh, like, absolutely, absolutely. But if absolutely. he didn't die, then I don't, well, we we wouldn't even be talking who about this knows story. If there would even be a follow up because he beat the case, exactly. you know. So yeah, so who knows? Um, let's move on from that before we go ahead and take this break. I wanted to just discuss a a, um, a story that I put up on the Facebook group because it it was shocking to me. But also not. So the story I'm referring to is this woman in Iowa was charged with attempted murder after telling the police that she deliberately drove over a girl because she appeared Mexican. Yeah. Um, The girl who she ran over was 14 years old. She sustained numerous injuries. Mm -hmm. And police say she was struck while walking to a local school near Des Moines uh, on the evening of December 9th. They initially appealed... Uh, for the public's help in, help in identifying the hit and run before Nicole Marie Poole Franklin was arrested. Investigators determined that the incident was an intentional act, not an accident, uh, because she just came right out and said uh, um, she ran the girl over because, she, in her words, she was a Mexican. Yeah. And the chief uh, went on to say that she uh, she also said um, that she she went on to make a lot of der- uh, derogatory statements uh, about Latinos to to the investigators and the um, the chief went on he, he also wanted to add that I want to say in the strongest terms possible that there is no place in our community or any other community for that matter for this type of hatred and violence um, the woman was 42 years old it's too damn old there's no age but like yeah. you're a grown ass woman and you ran over a child um she was uh, she was already being held in a jail over a separate assault allegedly committed the same day. So she might who knows what that who that person was. She might have just been out going going wild she on, on brown she, people. Oh no, she looks like it. She looks like she's a meth addict. But um, uh, yeah, man, it's just it's just a crazy time, man. Like um, there's a lot of. She tried um, to kill her. Should be. She yes, should be, it was attempted murder. It was yeah. attempted murder. You don't run over somebody to. To just, you know, do a little damage. She ran over a 14-year-old girl. And I just think that mm. it's a it's a, it's a a crazy time in the world and in this country specifically. And I think that people, there's this kind of this divide. Obviously, there's like a lot of racial divides happening in this country. But there's also this divide between words matter and words are just words, man. I'm being a troll on the internet. It doesn't matter. It's not real. The president's mm. a troll. People just say stuff. Words don't really affect people like that. And that's that's false Mm -hmm. this woman 
you're not just going to tell me she just happens to not like Mexican people when the president has been saying that Mexican people are yeah, made in the country for some reason, and is a, a rapist or they're rape. Some of them are rapists and they're going to come and take over your your cities. Yeah. I don't remember hearing stuff like this pre-Trump for some reason. Is it is just me or is the Mexican vibes? Yeah. I mean, you would hear I would you you would hear um uh like uh sound bites about it from uh you know, uh, right-wing media because of um overpopulation and these kind of things that are being used or or you know people they're taking your jobs, those kind of things. You would hear yeah. I've heard that for years. Yeah, me too. But just a straight up there's, it's usually coded. Language is usually coded. Mm-hmm. Thug means black. Yeah. You know, taking our jobs means these illegal immigrants doing this, that, and the third. Yeah. But now it's not coded anymore. It's just language. It's yeah. coming straight out. We don't want Mexicans here. Get them out. And there's something so uncivil about that that it's disturbing. Mm-hmm. Where I, I'm, I'm, I'm of the belief where I like people to just put it all out on front street. Yeah. But this this presidency and this time and the internet and all this kind of stuff is making me go, ah, maybe I'm wrong. I used to be the guy who said, if you're racist and you own a butcher shop, put a Confederate flag up yeah. or Nazi flag. So I know don't I don't want I'm not going to go to that butcher shop. Yeah. But it's been so bolstered now where before in my mind, it just would be a casual thing like, yeah, man, I'm racist. But, you know, it is what it is. Now it's like. Fuck yeah, I'm racist. Yeah. You know, it's like proud. It's like a pride in it. Yeah. And that's scary because that leads to um uh hypeness and 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 revolution and and feeling bolstered to go out and do something. Yeah. It's one thing to just say, yeah, man, I don't really like uh Filipino people. Mm-hmm. That's just how I feel. But it's like, but you can go on the internet and get a group together of people who don't like Filipino people. Now that's dangerous. Yeah. You know, and that's the times we live in because it's been this this melting of, you know, of being a troll and being a racist and being this, that, and the third. So it's, you don't know what you don't know what somebody is. People are just being racist on the internet because it's funny. Yeah. So you don't know who, the thing with the they're doing this little okay sign on these pictures and stuff. I think a lot of the people are just saying are just doing that because people get mad on the internet. Mm-hmm. They don't really. I don't know if it's really a racist symbol. But because the internet thinks it's a racist, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. It's like one hand feeds the other. Oh, y'all think this is racist? <laughs> Yo, put this up on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Now the f- Facebook people see that, it goes viral. Look at all these racist people, man. They're holding up this sign. And they might just be on there trolling. Yeah. But now it's th- that's just what that is now. So don't do it. Because you're risking your job. You're, why Why is, is everything is worth such a risk? Mm-hmm. Of why, why would you... These kids are going on TikTok and saying the N-word in these videos. And, yeah. and it's like, why? They don't think there's any consequences, man. And the consequences are so much deeper than losing your job and all this kind of stuff. It's tearing the moral fabric of the society apart where, you know, people think words don't matter. But there are people who still think those words matter and you're hurting their feelings. Yeah. But it's like, well, then stop being such a stop being such a snowflake. Mm. But it's like people's feelings matter, man. It, just because it doesn't offend you and if something came around that offends you you will want people to feel empathy towards you yeah that's the crazy part it's like the world is lacking empathy you know if i feel like something is racist as a black person how can you tell me i'm wrong mm-hmm. no you're wrong man donald trump didn't say anything right ra- i i'm offended <laughs> <laughs> what are you what are you who are you to tell me no you're wrong bro yeah. you, you, you just heard it wrong so you're wrong you know jewish people hearing stuff it's like no, nah, man, you you misheard that, you know? 
This is this shit is how Nazi Germany happened, man. I'm not trying to be hyperbolic and, and go extreme, but it started off with a dude that was like, you know something, man, man, Jewish people are kind of lame. Yeah. And then a couple of people was like, oh, I don't know, man. And then one person was like, yeah, man, you're right. And then mm-hmm. it was like somebody else got a little bold and was like, yeah, I don't really like them either. Yeah. Then it grew and it grew and it grew. And they were like, you know what, man, I'm not letting Jewish people in my bar anymore. And then somebody was like, I mean, that's his business. He can, it's his business. He's free mm-hmm. to do, he's free to express himself and he has the freedom to run his business how he wants to. And so no Jews allowed. And then somebody else follows suit because that bar got popular with all the racist people. So yeah. that bar is popping now. Yeah. Every night it's lit. But people, eh, fuck Jewish people. Yeah. It's lit. Clinging glasses. Fuck them, right? So then the bar across the street's like, well, shit, if that's the vibe, then shit, eh? Make me money. Yeah, fuck them, right? Fuck, me too. Yeah. You know? And then it grows and it grows and it grows. Then it's like, man, man, fuck him. You're Jewish. Bow. You know, sock a motherfucker in yeah. his jaw. Nobody does anything because it's not, I'm not Jewish. It doesn't concern me. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead about my day. Then they start wrangling them up. Then we know how that happens. You know, so it just, it it grows and grows and grows, man. And I just, I, I, I think to myself every day as a black person in this country, slavery is just over because it's over. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's just over because one day they just decided we're, it's not profitable anymore or whatever. They could go back next week <clears throat> and anybody who's not black is like, that's not cool, but like, I'm not black though. That's when you really see who your allies yeah. are. It's one thing to be on the internet and saying, Man, Kim Kardashian, she's doing blackface. That's not cool. As like a white person, you feel like you're defending black people in that mm-hmm. in that instance. But let's see what happens when the trucks pull up. And they go, anybody that's that doesn't pass the melanin test, get in the truck. Who steps up then? Ain't nobody stepping up. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's what I'm that's what I'm concerned about. I don't give a fuck about the internet. I don't give a fuck about Kim Kardashian. I don't care about none of that shit. When kids are getting run over in trucks because they're Mexican, yeah. that should be it should laws should change. Yeah. That's the president should come out and make a statement about that. We know he won't, but that's crazy. That's like the epitome of a hate crime. It can't get much more hateful than that. I'm in my car, a Mexican. Boom. Yeah, it's not like you chose to be white. Yeah, it's, it's not just, like we pick just, a side. It's just no. It's just it's, it's just melanin and not melanin. It's so stupid to base a whole ideology around something crazy. so stupid as I sunburn. You don't sunburn. What you know, man? Like your hair does this. My hair doesn't do that. It, it's so crazy, yeah. but it but it exists, and I I don't That's like wild. that we're getting to a time where there are some people who are saying there's a lot of people, and a lot of them are white. There's some black people that are saying we should just race should just not exist anymore, man. We should just live like That's people, impossible. and I, and it's like I can agree with that sentiment, but it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. So your ideology, you're living in ignorance because yeah. the world still does operate that way. So how you're, how this utopia that you're imagining doesn't exist. So these words are still affecting me. These, these situations are still affecting me. And you walking around saying like, I don't see color. It, it doesn't matter. Cause yeah. that's just you saying I'm, I'm ignorant. I'm, I'm just turning a blind eye to racism and, and the sexism and oppression because I don't believe in that stuff, mm-hmm. but the world is, is operating underneath that principle. So you can't just you can't just pretend it doesn't exist. That doesn't it doesn't work that way because it does exist and it's happening in front of us. Mm-hmm. So that shit fucked me up, man. Because yeah. that let me know Mexican people have had a rough few years under this this uh, situation in, in 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 America and how they're being portrayed and how they're being viewed. It's 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 a hard time. There's people out here pretending like they're not Mexican. You know, claiming something else. I'm Puerto Rican. Yeah, actually, but speaking of that, the podcast I listen to, one of the guys, both of the guys on there are Hispanic, uh-huh. but they go, he's like, yeah, man, I fucking cut my hair and like 
do something with his beard. And he's like, and then and the police don't even bother me. Like, I don't even look. I'm Hispanic, but I can pass for a white guy. Yeah. And whenever I get pulled over, I'm passing for a white guy. Right. That's crazy. You can just cut your hair. and That's just a privilege like, a lot of people don't have. That's man. wild. It's, 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 and that's, that goes back to my point I was just saying about they it exists and some yeah. people are able to to pass that if you know if you're a light skinned person with you know uh, straight European type of hair not, people might not ever think you're black yeah and then you get that reality check one day when somebody's like man you know something man black people just get on my nerves it's yeah. like whoa yeah they don't even know yeah it hit me when that that shooting had happened over the year I think it might, might have been the summer I think I don't know if it was San Antonio somewhere in Texas where there was a majority of oh, Hispanic people yeah that yeah and that video the dumb hiding and. No, it wasn't at the Walmart. It was like the guy was like shooting off a highway or something. Oh shit! And it was the video where it was a family. They was on the ground, and the guy was praying like it's it's gonna be okay. You got people ducking, yeah. And it's a guy shooting Hispanic people. That's when I was like, oh, this shit is yeah. This shit is serious. This is shit is wild. And we have a situation where nobody's taking any accountability, and they're just saying we don't know where this came from. And it's like what? Bro, like we, this man was on TV. Are you what? It just, you know, it just makes me tired, man. And I said in 2020, I was going to try not to talk about dude too much. But 2019 has been a wild year. It's been a wild couple of years, you know. And as and as a person who, you know, speaking for both of us, you know, you know, I'm not, I'm not Freddie Gray. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not living in, you know, the craziest part of the city. And, you know, I don't know if I'm going to live to see another day. I'm not that black. I'm yeah. not that that black. That's not my black experience. But I have empathy for that person. Yeah. Because that person is my cousin. That person is... I know people that are going through that. Yeah. So I can't just sit back and say, well, you know, man, my life's great. I make this much money a year. Mm-hmm. I do this. I do this little podcast. And, you know, I'm, my life is fine. And, you know, I travel and all this kind of stuff. And you're like, I got two kids. Yeah. My life's great. And, you know, I wake up and go to work every day. I got a yep. nice job. Boom, boom, boom. So, like, fuck it. You can't. It's just... You can't. Because I know people that really wake up and are like, man, they over-police this neighborhood. I could get pulled over for some bullshit and get busted in my mouth and, and have brain damage for the rest of my life just because I looked like a yeah, person. I get that, but that is exhausting. And that's and I don't think you can enjoy your life thinking that way all the time. It sucks, mm, but mm. I don't think you can enjoy your life. You, that's just how it is, man. You can't, you can't live your life worrying about what I, you just you just can't how are you supposed to enjoy life if you living that way yeah you can't like you can't like sometimes which is weird which got real for me was like sometimes I like I like to wear my hood up because my ears get cold right but Steph's like I don't I don't like you I don't like you wearing your hood up that's that's, that's sad and that's crazy man. that's like that's sad bro <laughs> that's wild man like you you shouldn't even have to think about shit and that's like crazy. that you know what I mean yep. like so for somebody yeah. uh, she told me that I was like yeah when you go take your hood off when you go in the store take your hood off I was like I'm like oh yeah. But then, I, I, then me, I was like, I, yeah. that's some real shit. I'm not sure. thinking how real that is. Yeah. And it's like, but I get it though. It's you drawing, just, you that's drawing attention to yourself. Yeah. It's no fault. You're, you didn't do anything wrong. My ears are just cold. That, <laughs> your ears are just cold. It's that simple. That's so fucked up, bro. My ears are just cold. I'm going to put my hood on in yeah. response to that. No, you got to think about that. That's crazy. You know, you got to think about how close you walk up to somebody when yeah. you're walking down the street. You don't want to be perceived as a, you know what I mean? Like, this is shit. This is shit people got to think about every yeah. day, man. And I'm the nicest dude in the world. Yep. And I got to go, let me take my hood down. Let me give him, Let me give this lady a couple steps back. Let me, when I go on the elevator, it's yeah. just me and the old white lady. Let me, let me let smile. Me the let me give yep. me a smile. And, mm-hmm. Hey, let me let her know I'm I'm not a threat to her. Yep. Why do I got to operate like that? When there's people out here, I hold the door for them. They just walk past me. Don't say thank you. Don't say nothing. Yep. And I go, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> P. 
People, I let people over. Son of a bitch. You couldn't give you the wave. You. You're not gonna give me the. I'm looking in your rearview mirror. You're not gonna give me the wave. You saw me. You saw me slow down to let you do hey, that. P, I hate when people do that. You know, so it's just a dichotomy, man. Yeah, man. Being black is like being schizophrenic, bro. You gotta be. Yeah. You gotta be eight different people. You know. You know. You got to code switch sometimes. Sometimes I go. You know, if I'm talking to this guy about this, I might talk about that. If I'm talking to this person about that, I might say a word I don't use with up. this person. You got you know? to. It's just, and, it, and, 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 and I'm you. We doing this for the comfort of other people. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's all it is. Should've I'm doing this man. so you don't look at me a certain yeah. kind of way. I know who I am. I know I'm intelligent and funny and all these kind of things. But let me put it in this package with this person. Yeah. And I'm gonna put it in this package with this person just because yeah. make them feel okay. But then what's not? Then you got people out here. Running in Walmart's, walking and running out with handfuls of clothes. Yeah, and, and but then, that reflects and, on you. And then, and yeah, so that's what I mean. That's my point. <laughs> <laughs> and they look at us all the same. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. How yeah. can we? I, we can't fight against that, man. Yeah, that's why it's a tough fight. <laughs> it's a tough fight, man. We getting off to some hot shit on this last uh, yeah, man. last episode of the year, man. Um, what I want to do is I want to, you know, despite all the stuff we just said, we made it through another year in many ways. Yeah. Podcast life, you know, uh, progression and in, in, in fields and of, of work and all that type of type of stuff. So I want to play Barry Manilow's "Looks Like We Made It," and when we come back, we we'll get into this fucked up shit. And so stick around. There you are, looking just the same as you did last time I touched you. Getting tangled up inside the thought of you. Do you love him as much as I love her? And will that love be strong when old feelings start to stir? And we are back. Fran, please prepare yourself. It is time for my last affirmative murder of 2019. Yeah. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I was inspired. Feels like a weird word, but that's, you know, I heard this name. I heard the name of this story on Don't Fuck With Cats. Mm-hmm. Did my research. Said, wow, that's super fucked up. Mm-hmm. And the my affirmative murder this week, the last one of 2019, is the story of the Moore's murders. Yeah. All right. So, in the 1960s, Ian Brady and his girlfriend, Myra Henley, sexually abused and murdered young children and teens, then buried their bodies along the Saddleworth Moor, the Saddleworth Moor in what became known as the Moore's Murders. But let's start this journey of how they got to this sadistic conclusion from the beginning. That took, a, a, took us into the past. All right. Um, Ian Brady, whose birth name is Ian Duncan Stewart, was born on January 2nd, 1938, in Glasgow, Scotland. His mother, Peggy Stewart, was a 28-year-old single mother who worked as a waitress. His father's identity is unknown. Hmm. Unable to afford proper care for her son, 
Brady was placed in the care of Mary and John Sloan when he was uh, four months old. Stewart continued to visit her son until he was 12. But she did not tell him she was his mother, which I would be, you know, I mean, from four months to 12, I would go, who, who are you? Say his aunt? Yeah, I mean, I would assume it's some kind of, you know, I'm your cousin yeah. or something like that. But that uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and super mindfucky. Yeah. Uh, Brady was a troublesome child and prone to throwing angry tantrums. The Sloans had four other children. And despite their efforts to make Brady feel like he was a part of the family, he remained distant and was unable to engage with others. So it's all these kids, you know, it's Christmas time. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if they celebrate Christmas in Glasgow, but it's Christmas time. And, you know, they all gather around the tree, got family sweaters on. And there's just a dude in the dark corner like, I don't want to, no one understands me. Yeah. That's him. That's Ian Brady. Mm. And they're like, no, but Ian, like. We have a sweater for you. You want yeah. come come get in the photo. No, you guys don't understand me. No one understands yeah. me. You'll never understand me. It's like a shadow of doctors everywhere he goes. Exactly. But they're trying. They're mm-hmm. like, hey man, you you want you want you want some shepherd's pie? No, no one understands me. You'll never understand me. Okay, well we're trying. I don't know. No. It's okay, you. weirdo. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> uh it's like um in Wedding Crashers, there's a you saw Wedding Crashers? Yeah. When mm-hmm. Wedding Crashers they go on the island and there's this rich family mm-hmm. and uh it's Chris Christopher Walk um Christopher Walken's family and uh, uh Bradley Cooper and all that stuff. And then they have this son who's an emo and he wears dark clothes and mm-hmm. he like rapes Vince Vaughn. The movie's kinda dark and yeah. but he kinda like assaults Vince Vaughn, but you know, his dad goes Hey, son, why don't you come throw the football around with us a little bit? Because they all wear, like, sweaters with yeah. the khaki pants and pink polos. And he's all blank. He's, come throw the football around with us a little bit. That's my Christopher Walken. Mm. Son, come come throw the football around with us a little bit. Oh, would that make you love me? <laughs> it's like, whoa. whoa. Yeah, it's like, it's like uh, whoa, uh, what? <laughs> it just went super sideways. Yeah. So he's like that. Those people start asking questions and shit. Yeah, like, is he all right? <laughs> yeah, he's just, you know, he's an artist. Uh... <laughs> Uh, early on, despite his disciplinary problems, Brady demonstrated an above-average intelligence. Hmm. At age 12, he was accepted to Shadowlands Academy. And that sounds like a school for ninjas or something. Huh? That sounds like a karate school. Uh, and it was uh, a school in Glasgow, which was a secondary school for above-average students, which secondary school, I believe, in on that side of the country is like high school. Hmm. Okay. I think. Somebody will tell us. Because, you know, we're, we're, we're well-renowned. Yeah. Um, so somebody in Glasgow, hit us up. Let us know. Boom. Um, or the UK. Boom. Got him there, too. Might. In it. We get it. Mans. Mans. <laughs> mans. Mans and things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, the school was known for its multiformity, which is just diversity. And the Academy offered Brady an environment where he where despite his background, he could blend in with the multicultural and diverse student population. Brady was smart, but his laziness shadowed his academic success. He continued to detach himself, because he's, so he's doing the same thing here, everybody's, you know, I'm from India, and I'm from here, and I'm Jamaican. He's like, you guys don't understand me, no one understands me. Yeah. Well, do you want to play cricket with us? Or the, no, you guys you guys don't really mean that. You guys don't understand me. You're talking. Okay, well, I, well, fuck you then. You yeah, get to a point. It. You get to a point where you're trying with somebody, and they keep saying, "Well, nobody wants to do this with me. Nobody understands me. They don't do this. You guys don't do this." Okay, well, fuck you then. Be alone and mm-hmm. be over there and listen yeah. to the Smiths. And I don't care anymore. I tried. So they got to that point. Like, Whatever, bro. Yeah, we don't. We don't understand you and yeah. don't want to. Uh, so the only subject that seemed to captivate his interest was World War II, which is, okay, you know, I, I can. 
There can be a positive in that. Let's see if we find it. Uh, he became enthralled by the human atrocities that took place in Nazi Germany. But still, we could go, he thinks it's terrible. He wants to make sure this kind of stuff never happens again. He felt such plight and sorrow for the Jews, the 36 million Jews who were killed in Nazi Germany. Maybe that's what drew him to it. But he said World War II, though. Yes. What's your point? He said he was obsessed with World War II, but... And Nazi Germany. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. All right, All right. okay. Um, by age 15, Brady had been to juvenile court twice for petty burglary. Forced to leave Shadowlands Academy, he began working as a shipyard uh, mate. Like So he was just, you know, throwing boxes and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Down the docks, doing manual labor. Uh, within a year, he was arrested again for a series of small crimes, including threatening his girlfriend with a knife... And uh, to avoid being sent to a reform school, the courts agreed to place Brady on probation, but with the condition that he go and live with his birth mother. So I a would small have... crime is like stealing candy. Yeah, holding a knife to somebody's throat <laughs> is not a small crime. That's assault. Yeah, but it's also you know the 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 fifties. He's a man. He's white, um, and she was a woman who didn't know her place, and she you know got out of line. So shut up. Take this knife to your throat. Yeah. Stupid woman. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is interesting. The birth mother thing. I hope he knew at this point, because that would have been very much like a reveal from a movie where you're going to go live with your birth mother. He's like, I don't have a birth mother. I don't know. He's like, yeah, your birth birth mother is your aunt who's been visiting you since you were a baby. And it's like, whoa, what? Yeah. Aunt, aunt Penny. Anyways. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Peggy. At the time, Peggy Stewart and her new husband, Patrick Brady, lived in Manchester. Brady moved in with the couple and took his father's, uh, his stepfather's name. So that's how he became Ian Brady. Uh, in an effort to solidify the feeling of being a part of the family unit. So they tried to like, really, hey man, you, you're my son now. Take my last name. We love you. We care yeah. about you. Still, no one cares Probably about didn't me. Get you don't, it. No, you guys don't understand me. You guys never understand me. I'm, I'm the darkest soul there is. Um, Patrick worked as a, fruit merchant and he helped Pat, he helped Brady find a job at the Smithfield market for Ian Brady it was the chance to start a new life but it did not last long because mm. this the dark cloud follows everywhere everywhere he goes you know he tries to fit in for a little bit but then he's like you guys don't really like me I'm a dark soul you guys don't understand Brady remained a loner his interest in sadism intensified by reading books on torture and sadomasochism so this isn't now I'm starting to think he doesn't like the Ameri- the part where America comes and helps the you know in World War Two. I think he liked you know the experimental the experiments on the Jews. That's what I was asking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just trying to I was just trying to give you a red herring and look make you look this way. Like maybe he is still a good guy as possible because maybe he liked the ending of World War Two where Hitler dies and Nazis are stopped. Nah. Okay, it didn't work. But, yeah, so he was very interested in sadomasochism and torture and things like that, particularly the writings of Friedrich Nietzsche and uh, Marcus de Sade. Within a year, he was arrested again for threat uh, for theft and sentenced to two years in a reformatory. What the fuck did he steal? I don't know. Hmm. You know, uh, maybe some books on m- mur- murder porn or something. I don't know. Well, I don't know what I don't know what. You get you get a, a slap on the wrist for holding a knife to somebody's neck, and then two years for theft. I don't know what they're doing here. That's Maybe it was a buildup of all the stuff, and they're like, "You got to go sit down for a little bit." Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how they're doing things over in Glasgow. Yeah. 
Um, but anyway, he got sentenced to two years in a reformatory and no longer interested in making a legitimate living. He used the time of his incarceration to educate himself about crime. So while in prison, yeah. he got his Ph.D. in B&E and was just studying, talking to the guy, interviewing him. How do you rob a bank? How do you do this? Do you break into their house at night? Just get and becoming a master criminal, which over here in the American criminal justice system, we have the same problem. You know, yeah, guys come scary. in, guys come in as a car th- thief and then they come out as a bank robber. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a felon. I can't get a regular job anymore anyway. But I learned a new thing. I'm in a gang now. The gang's going to have me sell heroin for them. Five years to master a craft? Oh, yeah. You could do anything. You know what I could do? Plenty if, I, if you put me in a room with just a guitar for five years, oh, I'd be a goddamn, yeah. oh, I'd be a fucking master. I'd be incredible. Yeah. You know? So imagine that, but everybody in you kills people and, and robs. It's like, oh, I'm, I know how to do all the stuff. That's crazy. I know where to put the knife in between the ribs and all yeah. that. Boom, you know? So um, Brady was released from the retor- from the reform reformatory in november 1957 and moved back in with his mother in their home in manchester he had various labor-intensive jobs all of which he hated <laughs> you and me both brother yeah we're not my, we're not my brother but we i hate i hate labor jobs too mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. we all can agree on that well you say he stopped caring about making a living so well he did it a little bit you gotta make some money and you gotta have a front where it's, you know you know sometimes you get out of jail and you gotta have a little front job for your probation officer <laughs> yeah uh so, deciding he needed a desk job, he taught himself bookkeeping with training manuals he obtained he obtained from the public library. Like reading. Yeah. And he was he had he had above average intelligence. Yeah. He could pick up on some stuff. He just was a fuck up. Uh, at age 20, he got an entry-level bookkeeping job at Millward's uh, Merchandising in Gordon. It's crazy how the future has really just fucked over some stuff cuz that's just not a job anymore. What is it? Uh, bookkeeping like you know, oh, yeah, you know yeah. keeping track of sales and all that kind of stuff you just use quickbooks now yep nobody there's not a person for that you've been outsourced yeah. to the computer well that's how it, is. it used to be a job you know uh, look, look at republican friends just how it is how it goes man you know progress yep <laughs> you think it should be just uh machines order machines at mcdonald's huh and it's just one person. i use it oh they have them i mean like like at a lot of mcdonald's now yeah wow they'll give me some cookies Yep. You just go up to the machine. Boop, 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 boop. I don't got to talk to that person. I didn't talk to that before. <laughs> Royal, Farm, Royal Farms does that too. Royal Farms is like a like a, a gas station that sells chicken. And they don't have... They have oh, shit. All I forgot the, we only have Royal Yeah. Farm. Well, you know, it's like a Wawa. And then t- if you live somewhere else, I don't know. Cheats? Maybe. I mean, like another country. Oh, shit. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, you can ask me. Um, I, I saw one in Ireland, but I can't remember the name of it. Anyway, um, they have... No people at the registers at some of them. They just have you just you just take your Twix bar, mm-hmm. scan it. You you do the job. Scan it, put it in the bag, and slide your card in like at a grocery store. Yeah. Now it's like any place that has a register is starting to go that way. Yeah. Self checkout. So, yeah. That's where I go. Only person that don't got is goddamn. You're Walmart. taking food out of somebody's mouth, friend. That makes my life easier. That's the. That's the, that's that's the, the trade off, man. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> your job. Your job was obsolete. Your job is obsolete. How it is. I don't want to tell you what I'm doing, what I got, what are my holiday plans. I just want to boop, boop, bing, yep. get my cookies and cream, Hershey's bar, and leave. I don't. If they came out with robots to deliver mail, I'm See, excited. I'm man, happy. Yeah. You have a job. They can get me out of it. That's fine. I find something else to do. <laughs> <laughs> you, want to, you want to outsource yourself. Yeah. That's a new, that's, that's, a, that's a new strategy. Yeah. <laughs> Take my job, <laughs> robots. Please. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. All right. So, uh, yeah. So, he became a, um, a small time uh, bookkeeper at a place called Millward's Merchandising. And Brady was reliable, yet fairly unremarkable 
yet a fairly unremarkable employee. So it was like, you know, he did his job, but nobody really, he didn't, he wasn't great at it. He wasn't bad at it. He wasn't even really good at it. He was, he was all right. (laughs) I mean, he taught himself. (laughs) Which is like, which is like the worst. That's like the worst insult. I'd rather you tell me I'm bad. So then I know, let me stop. (laughs) Let me go get a new job. But he's just like, you're okay at this. Is he good? I mean, he all right. Yeah, he all right. He he does the job. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I I have to look back over to make sure that he did it right. And most of the time he did, but sometimes he didn't. Mm -hmm. So he's just all right. Uh, So yeah, so he was just an okay (laughs) employee. Other than being known for having a bad temper, not much to offer uh, in the ways of chatter um, was was sent his direction. So everybody just kind of was like, that's Brady. That's Ian. He's the dark cloud. And don't just give him the, give him the books and have him look him over. Just don't fire him. Yeah, because who knows what <laughs> he's capable? Who knows what he's capable of? Uh, he'll go, <laughs> he'll go uh, bookkeeping. Yeah, if that's the he'll go bookkeep toll. It's like that word Got you it. guys aren't allowed to say it uh, your job anymore. Oh, postal? Say it in there anyway. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but like when it's a busy day, I'm, just, I'm about to go postal in here. You can't say it like that. Oh, okay, <laughs> you, can't, <laughs> you can't say it like an alarm will go off. What do he say? Uh, you're fired. <laughs> Even as a joke, like, man, all these boxes, I'm about to go post. Yeah, you can't say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> Change the locks and everything. That <laughs> yeah, you can't say it like Good that. Good to know. All right, cool. I'll, I'll keep that in mind. I can't just, oh, man, this line, I'll go to the post office. This, this line is long. I'm about to go postal. Lock the door and call the police on me. Okay, I'll keep that, I'll keep, yeah. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> so, yeah, so even his, his uh, people at his work were able to notice that he had a bad temper. So, anyway, one of the secretaries, 20-year-old Myra Henley, had a deep crush on him and tried various ways to get his attention. What? He, yeah, she, she was the go-getter. He responded to her much like he did everyone around him. Disinterested, detached, and somewhat superior. That reminds me of the show on Netflix called um, This Fucking World Coming to an End or something. Oh, The End of the Fucking World? Yeah, oh, yeah, where the dudes... Are, uh, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good show. I only watched the first season, yeah, I'm like this, but it's yeah, an interesting concept of, like, I want to kill her mm-hmm. and she wants to be my girlfriend. Yeah. And so they go into these relate, they get in these relationship arguments that are relatable, mm-hmm. but then he is just trying to kill her. Yeah. So it's interesting. I think that's an interesting show. And yes, it is kind of like that. Yeah. But, well, no, I don't, I haven't seen the show, so it might, it might be very much like it. I'll continue. Um. So like I said, she's, he's the cat. Mm-hmm. No, I'm sorry. He's the mouse. Yeah. She's the cat. Which is a cool role reversal. My school never had Sadie Hawkins dances, but I would have liked that. Oh been, yeah, we did. You did? Yeah. See, I would have liked to have been asked by... I was asked to things, but like not this is the premise of it. Like, mm-hmm. A girl is going to come and approach you. Yeah. A girl might ask me, like, you want to go to the movies Friday? Whatever, boom, like that. But never, will you be my date to the Sadie Hawkins dance? Mm-hmm. We didn't get that. Um, which I think is refreshing. You know, I think it's cool when women, you know, go after what they want, take the yeah. first step. However, I'm very... Something makes me very uncomfortable about women proposing. Okay. I don't know what it is. It just makes me feel like your man probably is ain't shit. Because, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, if you had to wait, and I was like, I'm going to do it. We've been together t- 10 years. Yeah. It's always some, like, 40-year-old woman that's like, will you marry me? And he got, like, it's always some drunk dude with his belly out. Like, oh, mm. shit, man. There's people around, so he can't say no. Oh, man, shit. So, something about that just, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm old-fashioned in some ways. I'm very progressive in some ways. In some ways, I'm like, man. Make you like a wuss. Yeah. You stand like, with your you, hand out? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You gotta put the ring on your shit. You got your finger all the 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 the, the palm at the face in the ground. You know, got your finger got your hand on. on your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh my god! 
ah, you know, you doing, you know. I, I How do you that, react to that as a man, though? Yeah, you, know, you know, you gotta put, you got a man. I'm like, oh shit, oh, 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 you wildin'? You gotta do, some, you, know, you gotta do some manly. Oh, oh, you gonna do me like that? Oh god. Oh man, a cheesecake factory. Oh <laughs> damn. Oh, okay. Oh shit, I'm not gonna cry. You gotta say some shit like that. Yeah. Oh no, you're not gonna get me like that. <laughs> not on camera. You got, you got hard it up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so, you know, she shot her shot, but he, you know, he rejected it a couple of times. But after a year wow. of being a relentless flirt, Myra finally got Brady to notice her mm. and he asked her out on a date. From that point on, the two were inseparable. Sometimes you got to stop blocking your blessings, man. You know, this is one thing we could all learn from the Parkers is that even though Professor Ogilvy was a straight up sucker because he denied Nikki for like seven, <laughs> for like six seasons. And then yeah. finally she got a man and he was like, no, I do love you. Yeah. Let's take that aspect of it out, though. But the person you might keep saying, I don't know what it is, but it's just, I'm not, it's not connecting. Give it a shot. You never know. Yeah. You might be blocking your blessings. That might be the one. And you just keep saying, no, but we're friends, or he doesn't do this, or he's not 6'4". You know, the internet, every girl on the internet, that shit gets on my nerves. Like, yeah. how many dudes do you think are walking around here that are 6'4"? Yeah. <laughs> it's not that many. Oh, 6'4", and da-da-da-da-da, with this. It's like, oh, you're wildin'. Yeah. The dude, and and then and then have you look at their date and track history? Is like five 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 seven, mm-hmm. ugly, fat. Yeah. Why you? Why on the Twitter? You talking about you trying to date Liam Hemsworth? They're not just floating around out here, right? I'm five eight and a half, being picky. Yeah, you got to be realistic. You ain't even man. all that. Yeah, you, who are you <laughs> to to be wanting somebody that's a giant? Yeah. <laughs> Sick frown. You know how often I see a six four person? That's a. That's a crazy height. Yeah, that's a big dude. That's like, man, that's you can't just walk into a spot and be 6'4 and not mm-hmm. get eyes. That's a yeah. weird height. That's one of those Six in-between five. heights where... That's an NBA play. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's that's one of those heights where you get to the point where it's like, so what do you do? Yeah. Because I'm mad at you. Like, yeah. you wasted this. Why aren't you... Oh, a, then if they're not doing something sports related? Why aren't you a second string yeah. two guard in the NBA? You work at T-Mobile. Yeah, it was a dude at... Um, I can't remember what store. I think it was like Roddy. He was, he was a tall young guy. Giant. I was like, do you hoop? Nah, I don't hoop. I was like, I was like right. <laughs> what a waste! I look at, the, I, 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 I throw my hand at those people like, yeah, you are a waste. Yeah. I would have me at least a deep. But you can tell he was a little feminine, so I was like, that's Wait, fine. You could play badminton. Or I was something. like, man, I was like, man, you, you put that go put that to use. Go get a scholarship, yeah. man. You don't gotta play forever. Yeah. Shit, go use get a modeling scholarship. What's that dude that came out as gay in the NBA? Uh, uh one of those twins. I know you talking about. I can't he was gay. That. Yeah, shit, you could be best play basketball yeah. and be gay. That's fine. Nah, I'm play. Man, get your you money. Go and play. Just treat it like a job. You don't even gotta love the game. Just like I get rebounds. Yep. Whatever. Pick a skill and just do it. You get a job. Anyway, that's a little bit of a rant. You know, Sorry. last last rant of twenty nineteen. Mm-hmm. Uh. So yeah. So now they started dating. They're inseparable. Myra Henley. Here's a little background on her. She was raised in an an impoverished home with abusive parents. Mm. Her father was an ex military alcoholic and t- a tough disciplinarian. He believed in an eye for an eye. And at an early age, taught Henley how to fight. To win her father's approval, which she desperately wanted, she would physically confront the bullies at school and just beat them up, like just you know, and then fuck them up. And then dad got to come in and come uh, get her out of the principal's office. And then you know, you know, as a, as a parent, you'll probably go through this soon at some mm-hmm. point with Sophia or, or, or little Max, where you gotta you gotta be tough in in front of the other adults. Like, don't, yeah. you can't do that. Don't talk to people that way. But he hit me first. It doesn't matter. You don't do that. But then on the walk back to the car, it's like, look, do that. Don't let anybody push you around. Good job. I'm not mad at you. You defended yourself. Yeah. That's okay. Mm-hmm. But you got to, in front of the parents, you got to be like, no, that's, don't do that. Mm-hmm. That's wrong. No, 
don't do that. Stop. Mm. <laughs> but then in the car, you know, hey, if that happens again, yeah. do the you same thing you, you did. Get it back. Yeah. So yeah. that's what she was looking for from her dad. And her dad would do that. That would be the time where they would have their little special moments where you yeah. go, so you broke his nose? Yeah. Damn. Okay. Well, damn. Okay. He was, he was taking some of kids' milk. Well, shit. Yeah. Well, you got to do what you got to do. You can't let people get bullied. Yeah. So, I have a random question for you. Do go. you, do you, um, sometimes I think about this. Are you happy that your parents weren't in the military? That's a very specific question. Uh, w- because of why? Discipline. <sighs> Have you met my mom? Yeah, of course. Um, of course. It was a rhetorical <laughs> question. What? <laughs> no, my mom was very, my very, my mom was very disciplined. I mean, she wasn't. I'm talking she, about. I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about military style discipline. Oh, like push-ups and, and yeah, that and shit, yelling, yelling and, and shit. You know, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Um, because then th- now you've been indoctrinated. Now you want to join the military because that's just how they, that's what you saw. Yeah. Um, well, it's just like, that's too much. You're doing and they travel much. a lot. It's a lot of downsides and reasons why I'm glad my mom wasn't in the military. But my mom was very, my mom, I guess when we, I'm, I'm going to say this and there's going to be somebody who had a military dad. I was like, my dad made me do pushups in the mud. Yeah. But my mom, um, she made me fill out the whole book for the, uh, um, getting your driver's permit, not the license. Mm-hmm. She made me get fourteen hundred hours or whatever you had to get. She wasn't. Oh, yeah, she wouldn't that. just. She wouldn't just go. I'm gonna that. show you how to drive one day and then take the permit test. She's like, you have to put in these. I had to log them. Yeah, like, we went driving from seven p.m. to eight p.m. <laughs> we went driving from five p.m. for like the whole summer. Yeah, I remember that. You know, and and, and just shit like that. You I know? didn't do that. I'm like, do you nobody have to, did do it. You have to do that. Nobody no. did give me that okay. book. Okay. Man, fuck it. Get out of here. Throw this book. I don't need this book. Yeah. The law. I just go drive. Yeah. Like, but, yeah, Alvin, Alvin, mom made him do it. What? He yeah. did it? Yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Everybody was like, you are doing what? <laughs> yeah, I got to go driving with my mom. I, I can't play basketball. Me and my mom are going driving at 5 from 5 to 5.30. So I got to go log that in my book so I can take the permit test. What? What is that? What did you even just say? You know how you got to log your hours in to get your permit. That's just something. Nobody <laughs> does that. Anyway, yes, yeah, so there's some military kid like, my dad would beat me with water jugs, so yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, that, that shit. I'm like... Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. no, yeah. So, um, anyway, uh, so, yeah, she was raised by her dad. I mean, she was taught how to fight by her dad. She wanted to get his, um, his love and affection by beating up the bullies at school. And, you know, so she would do that. But as, Hen- as Henley got older, she seemed to break the mold, and she gained a reputation as being a somewhat shy and reserved young woman. Mm. So this is kind of like in A Little Giants when the Icebox decided she wanted to date the quarterback. So she goes, I'm going to become a cheerleader now. She denied herself. This girl had hands. She could fuck up anybody. But in order to become more of a, you know, socially acceptable, which is disgusting mm. and terrible, in order to fit into society's norms, she tried to become a cheerleader for a little bit. And then the Little Giants almost lost. But in the final hour... Uh, Icebox decided I'm going to be me and be the fullback that I am and we're going to win this fucking championship against Al Bundy. Yeah, that's top three. Favorite Little Giants? Kids movie. Great yeah. movie. Yep. Great, great movie. Love yeah. it. I wish, I don't think it's a Disney movie so it's I not wish on, it was. it's not on Disney Plus but it might be on Netflix. I don't I know. It, it was, at one, it used to be. Little, Gi- Little Giants is a great. That's my shit. The annexation of Puerto Rico. Yeah. Run that shit, it's, it's over with. <laughs> that play was unstoppable. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, so she became known as a shy young woman, and at the age of 16, she began taking instructions for her formal reception into the Catholic Church, hmm. and had her friend and had her first communion in 1958. Friends and neighbors described Henley as being reliable, good, and trustworthy. And then she met Ian Brady. It took just one date for Brady and Henley to realize that they were soulmates. In their relationship, Brady took the role of teacher. 
and Henley was the dutiful student. This is some Fifty Shades of Grey what? shit. Okay. Uh, together, they would read Nietzsche and Mein Kampf. So basically, he was indoctrinating her. He was saying, you know, this is the shit I read. You read it. And, and, and she's like, this is so cool. It's like when a guy likes cars and he meets a girl and she doesn't really like cars, but he loves cars. So now she kind of pretends to like cars a little bit. Yeah. And now by the end of it, she's like putting up memes on Facebook. Like nothing's better when you got dirt underneath your nails and a glass of wine. It's like, bitch, I went to middle school with you. You don't do any of those things. Yeah. You're a fraud. Yeah. They hunt now. Mm-hmm. You don't even hunt. You don't even live that life. But then you go look at their spouse and you get it. You're like, okay, you just morphed into him. Yeah. I like me. I like me a nice independent woman. Like, mm-hmm. like Destiny's Child said, you know, all the women that's independent, throw your hands up at me. Don't let me decide who you are. Yeah. You tell me who I am. You take you take the reins. Yeah. You know, I like women like that. Yeah. Steph hates basketball. Yeah, and she's not gonna pretend like, oh, is that Kobe Shaq? It's like what? Yeah. You know, don't lie to me. You do your thing. Sierra loves musicals, you know. And as you know, I might have a basketball game on. She'll go, Is that Giannis and Tempa Takunko? Yeah. And she, she tried that the other day. She tried. She tried to get it off a little bit, but she won't watch the game. So yeah. I'll go up I'm gonna go upstairs and watch Les Mis. Yeah. I go go do your thing. Yep. You know, but she shows me love. I know you like LeBron James yeah. and that's cool. Yeah. And I know what LeBron James looks like. Yeah. I'll be upstairs. Mm-hmm. That's it. Don't try to come in with the jersey. Where's the team? I got his and her whoa. Lakers jerseys. Like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Who bought you that shirt? Yeah. I didn't buy yeah. It. <laughs> you, how do you know how jerseys fit? Who you who you yeah. went to the mall with? A yeah. dude? Why is the seat back like this in the car? Yeah. We watched the game. She yo and one. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I didn't what? teach you that. I did not. I did not teach you that language. Who are you? What is happening? Yeah, that might cause some friction in a relationship. Yeah, you try to get too get much real. into your. I gotta turn the game off now. Yeah, you get too much into your spouse's shit. They're gonna who taught you that? <laughs> you like guns? Like, oh, is that a slip? Uh, so, uh, a self scope double barrel? And what? Yeah, I didn't. T- who taught you this? Yeah. She's just watching YouTube videos. But now you got a whole argument because mm-hmm. you think she's cheating on you with some dude that works at Bass Pro. I don't even know that gun. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, this isn't a tangent episode. Mm-hmm. You just you know. It's the last episode of the, yeah. of the year, man. Just, you know, just freestyling a bit. Yep. Um, anyway, back to the story. So, uh, yeah, so he started, you know, getting her into his vibe, getting her into his his interests, and she's eating it up, you know, because she's the student and he's the teacher. Uh, they spent hours watching X-rated movies and looking at pornographic magazines. Henley quit attending church services when Brady told her there was no God. So he just put, he wow. took that dark, cl- dark, dark cloud and was like, hey, hold this, fam. Yeah. Boom. Put that right over her head. Bang. You got a dark cloud too now. <laughs> Said there, there was no God. You're, wow, you make a really good point. There isn't. You're right. And then so I want to know what his explanation was. Probably wasn't too deep. Just because, you know. How does Stay, it, she's so in love. How does it rain? And then, the, but there's an ocean. You're like, what? Good point. You know, when you when you love somebody, man, it's some shit. You believe anything. When I was like 16, you know I mean? Conversations I had with girls where I was like, man, that was deep. Didn't say nothing. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, when we gotta graduate, when you graduate from high school, it's like, you know, are you, when are you truly an adult? And you're like, yeah, damn, you really spitting mm-hmm. facts right now. Yeah. That's deep. You wanna go to Buffalo Wild Wings? <laughs> you know? I didn't let some girls just get in their bag for like 15, 20 minutes about nothing. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, how do we know aliens? You know, I'm just saying, you can't prove that there's a God, just like you can't prove that there was aliens. So what if aliens are God and God? It's like, yeah, damn, good mm-hmm. word. That's all you can give him. Word, damn, yeah. No, you said that. Yeah. I was giving him that's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. You know what? I didn't even look at it like that. No. <laughs> didn't listen. Damn, you know what? I didn't even see it from that side. You just gotta say some just some vague shit like, damn, you know what? 
Yeah, that's on point. That's crazy, man. They think they out there speaking yeah, fast, you- too. <laughs> that's wild. You gonna go to Cold Stone? Just waiting. Just, just, let's just shut yeah. up. Just let's go do something. Go back something. to my crib. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. You know, for sure. No, I definitely, I didn't even... You know, something I hadn't even peeped what you were putting down for yeah. a second, though. You know, but I got the Netflix. You yeah. know, anyway. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, so he got her into porn and reading crazy books about Nazis and all this kind of stuff. So he just molded she's her. Just, yeah, yeah, she's he just, just him. Yeah, he just molded her into him, into girl him. Uh, Henley became fixated on being Aryan. But I, but wait, I want to know if he realized that because all the times he asked her out, I know they had to talk before he went with like, let's go out on a date. Sure. He went. He like, might have noticed, oh, you're mad moldable. Yeah. That might have been what turned him around because before he wasn't giving her That's what attention. I mean. That's yeah. what I mean. But he might have said some crazy shit like, you know, man, I, I don't know why Hitler, everybody thinks Hitler's such a bad guy. And she was like, yeah, if you think that, yep. that's cool. He's like, mm, okay. Yep. Most girls say fuck you or something yeah. like that. Okay. You want to go? <laughs> Most to, girls yeah. throw a drink in my face. Yeah. Oh, you want to go get? A, you want to go get a, some some beer after work? Yeah, I would love that. That's how it started. Yeah. And the rest was history. Um. So yeah. So Henley became fixated on being Aryan and dyed her hair blonde. Mm. She changed her style of clothing based on Brady's desires. Wow. This is like a a gross dude's dream. Yeah. A dude that's like, I just want her. I don't want her to think do anything for herself <laughs> just do what i tell you to do yeah. like that's a a prehistoric uh co- concept of a woman mm-hmm. just do just be what i want you to be that's wild she was like okay mm-hmm. so she dyed her hair blonde she's like i'm a nazi now uh she distanced herself from her friends and family and often avoided answering questions about her relationship with Bra- with uh brady so she she was like you're not going to tell me anything bad about yep. ian I love him. We're great. We're a Nazi dream. And fuck you guys if you don't believe that. And also, P.S., there is no God. He said so. And he knows more than God. Like, what? That's and then she left. As Brady's control over Henley increased, so did his outrageous demands, which she would make every effort to satisfy without question. Mm. For Brady... It meant he had found a partner who was willing to venture into a sadistic, dark world where he, where rape and murder was the ultimate pleasure. Yep. For Henley, it meant experiencing pleasure from their from their perversive and brutal world, yet avoiding the guilt for those desires since she was under Brady's control. In her mind, she's like, "Well, I'm just doing what my man wants to do, so mm-hmm. I, I I'm not attached to this. I'm I'm not doing this stuff. We're just doing it because that's just couple stuff. Sometimes you do stuff with your spouse that you don't want to do." You know, sometimes they want to make, um, you know, paella and you just want to eat steak, but you make the paella. Yeah. I don't really like paella, but that's what they wanted to do. And that's just compromising a relationship. That was her justifying it in her mind about rape and murder, which yeah. is crazy. <laughs> uh, um, uh, they uh, they entered even further into the dark world on July 12th, 1963. Uh, when Pauline Reed, who was 16 years old at the time, was walking down the street at around 8 p.m., when Henley pulled over a van she was driving and asked her to help her find a glove that she had lost. Now, from other true crime stories that we have read, watched, and, and, and listened to, we know, or I, I have learned and, and ascertained, that having a female accomplice is the most dangerous thing you could have if you're Works killing women. Probably mm-hmm. if you're killing men, too, because then, uh, oh, you need help? You know, that... that uh savior thing and men will come out but as a woman you immediately drop your guard because you go 
that's another woman. She needs my help. We're, yeah. we're on the same team. So, yeah, I'll get in your van and help you look for your shoe or whatever she said. And boom, you know, that fast. So I think having a female accomplice makes anything way worse and way more dangerous. Why do you need to drive to look for a glove? Sometimes you get the lie off and it's so easy. You do, you know, sometimes you just say some dumb shit and it works. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I was that didn't work. I remember the time we went to P- Pittsburgh to see Swayze. Yeah. And I told my mom we I was sleeping at your house. Yeah. Or whatever. It worked for a little bit. But then she called me, you know, while we're at the concert and was like, where are you? Yeah. And I was like, I'm at Fran's house. Yeah. <laughs> you know, watching Martin, just chilling. Yeah. Where are you? And now when you say it twice. Yeah. They call. know already. Mm-hmm. So they just want you to tell the truth. Pittsburgh. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll see you when you get home. <laughs> that happened you know? to me. And I said, I was sitting at your house. I was at yeah. uh, the girl house. Yeah. But you. I didn't tell you. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's where you up. fucked up. That that's where you fucked up. To all the people out there, man, include your friends in your lives, man, because yeah. they don't know. Dad called his dad called me out. You have seen? Have you seen friend? No, sir, I have not. <laughs> <laughs> not at all, actually. I haven't seen him in a couple days. I was laid back, chilling. <laughs> <laughs> not by, by 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 the way, no, at not at all. And now I think about that's dangerous. He didn't know where it was. <laughs> Stupid kid. Don't think about that till you get old. <laughs> Kids are dumb, man. Kids. Kids are so stupid. Um, anyway, no, but seriously though, so um, um, Pauline Reed um, went ahead and tried to help her. Pauline Reed was actually Henley's younger sister's friend. Wow! So, so she knew also him. knew. She also knew the. She also she saw she saw um, Henley and was like, "Oh, I, yeah, that's my, yeah. that's my homegirl's sister. Mm-hmm. I'll help you find your glove." So she hopped right in to help out. According to Henley, she drove to the Saddleworth Moor, and a moor is just like a big field. Okay. Uh, you know, pe- people shoot skeet there, like shoot, um, you know, ducks and hunt and all oh, that kind okay. of stuff. Skeet. No, whoa, <laughs> whoa. I'm gonna continue. That's what a moor is. A moor is a big field. All right, man. Move on. You said it. That's what it's called. You are so uncouth. Uh, so so they t- she, she took she drove her to Saddleworth Moor, and Brady met the two shortly afterwards. So he pulled up behind them. It was already the plan to okay. get a girl, bring her here. Uh, he took Reed onto the moor where he beat, raped, and murdered her by slashing her throat. Wow. And then together they buried the body. According to Brady, Henley participated in the sexual assault as well. Yeah. Yeah, she wasn't... I don't like people, when they get to dictate the narrative, they always go, well, I was there, but I wasn't. I I thought it was terrible what they were doing. I stayed, but, you know, it's hard for anybody to believe. Yeah. You know, I was there and they were killing people... I had a gun, but I didn't shoot my gun. So, okay, come on, man. Yeah. Like, we don't believe that. Anyway, so a little shortly after this first, um, this first uh, step into murder in July, on November 23rd, 1963, John Kilbride, who was 12, was at a market in Ashton-Underland, Lancashire, where he accepted a ride home from Brady and Henley. They took him to the moor, where Brady raped, then strangled the boy to death. He raped him too. Yeah. The, well, uh, well, Ian raped her, raped the little boy, and that's a moment I feel like as a woman where you go, "Wait, you do this? You like you're in the little boys too? Like I mean, already she raped him? I don't. They, they, that's not clear. It's, oh, they say they, but that could have been they could have when they were talking about he could have been holding him, him down. Yeah, or something that. Like that. Yeah, gotcha. yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but. I feel like that would be a wake up call. I mean, already you I guess not. You killed a girl already, but now but in that moment where you know, it's it's like, 
Wait, you rape little boys too? Yeah. It's like so you just you just do whatever. Yeah. That's, I don't, that's crazy. Um Yeah, so they they raped and, and killed him. Um uh, on Ju- on June sixteenth, nineteen sixty four. So they kind of sp- they're kind of spaced out. Mm-hmm. And my my hypothesis is they're so sadistic among each other that he's able to stifle his urge to kill by doing weird shit to her for a little bit, mm. weird sex stuff. I'll get into some other stuff that he does, but he's able to play with her for a little bit until eventually six five four to six months he's like you know what let's go kill somebody Got it. yeah okay it's not like they had they didn't go on a spree it yeah. wasn't like every day they were it was like every four or six months mm. yeah so on june 16th 1964 keith bennett who was also 12 years old was walking to his grandmother's house when henley approached him and asked for his help in loading boxes into her truck probably offered him some candy or some money or something like that uh so um in the truck brady was waiting they offered to drive the boy to his grandmother's house, but instead they took him to Saddleworth Moor, Saddleworth Moor, where Brady led him to a gully, then raped, beat, and strangled him to death, and then buried him in a shallow grave. Wow. On December 26, 1964, so that was from June. June was Keith Bennett. He killed her. Killed. They killed him in 1964. Now we're in December 26th of 1964. So that's Christmas. July, August, September, October. Yeah, yeah, shit, man. So that's six months. Uh, on December 26, 1964, Leslie Ann Downey, who was the name in Don't Fuck With Cats, they yeah. had a profile that he named Leslie Ann Downey, uh, uh, the the guy who I can't remember his name right now, the crazy killer. Luca? He, yeah, Luca, Luca Magnotti. Mm-hmm. He went on to the Facebook group that they had to track him down as with a profile with the girl's photo Leslie Ann Downey and put up a photo of him like burning cats or something yeah. something like that's he did something he did that twice he was trolling them yeah but one time he used like Paul Bernardo he was using serial killers names as his fake profiles and had like 50 fake that that if you haven't seen don't fuck with cats that shit was wild it's nuts yeah it was like I I I, I tried to come up with a comparison for it. I felt like it was like the the first catfish documentary which i don't know if you yep. saw mm-hmm. so where this woman she had so many profiles and it was so vast yeah. where you go what in yeah. different phone conversations she had a whole family so it was like that and like the grim sleeper documentary mm-hmm. where where it turns into crazy serial killer shit but also crazy internet presence and trolling and catfishing and lying and all it was just so it was so many things yeah that's the first thing i thought about when i when i told you i was like that remind me of catfish how it the whole thing and just it being on the internet yeah. you gotta do all it that is crazy yeah he had like man. 50 profiles that they knew of and was he was uh, photoshopping people. shit was wow it was nuts man <laughs> it was nuts anyway so back to Leslie Ann Downey who was the girl the the the, the name who who where people um, the woman who worked in Las Vegas in the in the Don't Fuck With Cats documentary, she went on to tell who Leslie Ann Downey was and who the more what the more murders were, and that's what inspired me to do this story. Uh, so Leslie Ann Downey was only ten years old. She hmm. was celebrating Boxing Day, which I didn't look up what that is. I don't know if it's literally about boxing or boxes. Or I don't know. Uh, and they, she was at a fairground. When Henley and Brady approached her and asked her to help them load packages into their car, so they had their script down. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then, so they asked her to help them put the packages in their car, and then go to their house and help them unload the packages out of the car. Uh, once inside the house, 
the couple undressed and gagged the child, forced her to pose for pictures, then raped and strangled her to death. Mm. The following day, they buried her on the moor. So they put her in the car and drove her up to there. So they got hella bodies over there. Yeah, it's, it's starting to stack up. Uh, Henley's younger sister, Maureen, and her husband, David Smith, started hanging around Henley and Brady, especially after they moved close to one another. Smith was no stranger to crime, and he and Brady would often talk about um, each other, about how, how to rob banks. So imagine his surprise when, you know, they're like, man, and robbing banks, you get that thrill, da-da-da-da. Uh-huh, yeah, and killing kids, what? Yeah. You know, because you get comfortable with somebody, you're like, oh, you do crime? I do crime. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you about some of the crimes I do. And then the shit, it goes come out of left field. <laughs> Whereas, no, I don't do those crimes. Yeah. And I'm calling the police mm-hmm. on you. And I hate the police. But I'm calling the police on you. Uh, Smith also admired Brady's political knowledge. And Brady enjoyed the attention. He took on the role of mentor and would read Smith passages of Mein Kampf. So he loved his Mein Kampf book. He's like, let me, let me put you down. Uh, um, so, yeah, yeah. So, so when they first, so when he st- first started coming around with little sister, with uh, the little sister's, as the little sister's boyfriend, yeah. Brady took a liking to him and was like, I'm going to school you. Unknown to Smith, Brady's real intention went beyond feeding the younger man's intellect. He was actually priming Smith so that he would eventually participate in the um, couple's ghastly crimes. As it turns out, Brady's belief that he could manipulate Smith into becoming a willing partner was dead wrong. Mm. Yeah, I was like, how are you just going to go? Yeah, I'm going to read him Mein Kampf, you know, show him some porn, and then he's going to be super down to kill kids with me like my girl is. So that was a one in a million. Yeah. Don't think you can just get together a gang to, <laughs> of, of people to kill kids. That's yeah. crazy. Uh, back to the shit. On October 6th, 1965, Edward Evans, who was age 17, was lured from Manchester Central to Henley and Brady's home with promises of relaxation and wine. Brady had seen Evans before in a gay bar he had cruised looking for victims. Introducing Henley as his sister, the three drove Henley and Brady home. The three, the three drove to Henley and Brady's home which would ultimately become the scene of where Evans would suffer a horrific death. Hmm. In the early morning hours of October 7th, 1965, the, the, you know, the, the next day, David Smith, armed with a kitchen knife, walked to a public phone and called the police station to report a murder that he had witnessed earlier in the evening. Why he had, he had, he had a knife in his hand? I'll get to that. Oh, okay. He told the police officer who was on duty that he was in Henley and Brady's home when he saw Brady attack a young man with an axe repeatedly striking him while the man was screaming in agony. Mm. Shocked and frightened that he would become their next victim, Smith helped the couple clean up the blood, then wrapped the victim in a sheet and placed it in an upstairs bedroom. He then promised to return the next evening to help them dispose of the body. So he played along, right along with Ian, like, yeah, man, no, this is super cool what you do. I'm super down. But, you know, sometimes you got to... You got to do what you got to do to get out. Yeah. So, you know, I'll be back. No, I'll, I'm come back, go home, take a little shower, come back, and we'll get rid of the body. <laughs> yeah. Take it up to the moors, you said? To the moors, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, the moors. And he got the directions. Of, mm-hmm. da, da, da. Yes, the moors. If it would have been 1995, he might have had a wire on. Yeah. You said the moors, where all the other bodies are buried? <laughs> um, so, within hours of Smith's call, the police, so the, the, why he had the knife was because he thought uh, Ian Brady was going to come out. Good to him. Gotcha. Yeah. So within hours of Smith's call, the police searched the Brady, the Brady home and found Evan's body 
And under interrogation, Brady insisted that he and Evans got into a fight and that he and Smith murdered Evans and that Henley was not involved at all. So the dude that called the police, he was like, uh, Brady said, no, I got in a fight with this dude and me and David Smith killed him. Mm -hmm. And my girl didn't have anything to do. So he held his girl down. Yeah. He's despicable and terrible, but that's love. Yeah. I mean, Smith Smith is, he's doing what he got to do until that guy go. Hey man, chop his hand off. And I was like, oh shit. Yeah. Well, but you gotta. Hey. That's 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 rough, man. Hey man. <laughs> I'm chopping his hand off so my hand doesn't get chopped off. If that's the option, <sighs> I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry, Evan. You know, like that's I rough. gotta survive, man. Yeah. That's and rough. I gotta live to tell the story. If I fuck up and go, hey man, I'm not cutting off a head. Then he kills me. Then that guy's murder doesn't get solved, and they go on and continue to kill kids. So he had to play along. In order to get free, so you can call the police. Mm. I like I do a finger. You can't compromise. I don't know if I can do a hand or a head, and I, I don't know about that one. <laughs> you compromise with a fucking <laughs> a whole serial killer. Uh, so yeah, so within <laughs> hours of the call, they they showed up at the house, uh, and you know uh, Brady tried to put the whole thing on David Smith, said they were accomplices, and oh hell no, and that Henley didn't do anything at all, and da 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 da, da. and uh, so Brady was arrested for murder, and Henley was later arrested uh, four days later. As an accessory to murder. Mm. So he didn't, probably didn't really buy that. But he tried it. He tried yeah. He tried it. Uh, David Smith told investigators that Brady had stuffed items into a suitcase, but that he did not know where the suitcase was hidden. He suggested that maybe it was at a railway station that the police searched. The, uh, the police later searched the lockers in a, at a Manchester Central and found the suitcase, which contained pornographic pictures of, young, of a young girl and a tape recording of her screaming for her for help. The girl in the pictures and on the tape was identified as Leslie Ann Downey. Mm. The name John Kilbride also found the, the name John Kilbride was also found written in a book. So the evidence is piling up. Uh, there were several hundred pictures in the couple's home, including several taken on Saddleworth Moor. Suspecting that the couple had been involved in some of the cases of missing children, a search party of the Moors was organized. During the search, the bodies of Leslie Ann Downey and John Kilbride were found. Brady was charged with murdering Evan was was charged with murdering Edward Evans, John Kilbride, and Leslie Ann Downey. Henley was charged with murdering Edward Evans and Leslie Ann Downey, and for harboring Brady after she knew he had killed John Kilbride. Both Brady and Henley pleaded not guilty. David Smith was the prosecutor's number one witness until it was discovered that he had hint- he had entered into a monetary agreement with a newspaper for the exclusive rights to his story if the couple was found guilty. So he was chasing the bag. Yeah. He said, I'll tell you guys the story when all this shit is over with directly to you guys, mm-hmm. if you pay me. Which, I don't know, he's hunting bags, but it fucked with the case in the long run. So I'll get to that. Uh, prior to the trial, the newspaper had paid for the Smiths to go on a trip to France and provide them with a weekly income. They also paid for the Smith, for Smith to stay in a five-star hotel during the trial. Damn. Under duress, Smith finally disclosed the name of the newspaper. So he just he just snitches on everybody. Which so, in one case was good. He snitched on a serial killer. But the newspaper, he could have just, I don't know, denied it. I don't know. But under duress of the of the of the defense of the of uh Ian Brady and his girl, mm. he said, Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm getting paid some money. Which kind of made his testi- testimony not as reliable because mm. you're, you're receiving money. Making pay, yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, on the witness stand, Brady admitted to hitting Evans with an axe, but not doing it with the intention of murdering him, which hmm. I don't even know how that's, that's possible. That's an axe. Yeah, exactly. I just wanted to just scare him a little bit. <laughs> Um, after listening to the tape recording of Leslie Ann Downey and, and clearly hearing the voices of Brady and Henley in the background, Henley admitted that she was blunt and cruel in her treatment of the child because she was afraid that someone might hear her screams. As to the other crimes committed on the child, Henley claimed to be in another room or looking out of a window at the time. Right. On May 6, 1966, the jury took two hours to, uh, of deliberation before returning with a verdict of guilty on all charges for both Brady and Henley. Brady was sentenced to three terms of life imprisonment and Henley received two life sentences and a concurrent seven year sentence. Mm. So they just throw at whatever. Yeah. Know, obstruction. Whatever, yeah. Uh, after spending almost 20 years in prison, Brady allegedly confessed to the murders of Pauline Reed and Keith Bennett while he was being interviewed by a newspaper journalist. Based on that information, police reopened their investigation but when they went to interview brady he was described as scornful and uncooperative so you know he changed it up uh in november 1986 henley received a letter from winnie johnson keith barnett's mother in which she begged henley to give her any information about what happened to her son as a result henley agreed to look at the photos and maps uh to identify places she had been with brady later Hen uh henley was taken to Saddleworth Moore, but she was unable to identify anything that helped the investigation of the missing children. On February 10th, 1987, Henley made a taped confession to her involvement in the murders of Pauline Reed, John Kilbride, Keith Bennett, Leslie Ann Downey, and Edward Evans. She did not confess to being present during the actual murders of any of the victims, however. But when Brady was told of Henley's confession, he did not believe it. But once he was given details that only he and Henley would know, he knew that she had confessed. He also agreed to confess, but with a condition that could not be met, which was to kill himself after confessing. Mm. So he's like, I'll tell you guys whatever you want, but you got to give me some cyanide or something. I don't, some, you know, I need to kill myself. After. Why? That's what he wanted. And they said, nope, can't do that. So he didn't tell. Yes. <laughs> she uh, just said, yeah. Yeah, just tell him. <laughs> Give him some fucking some Kool-Aid packs. I don't yeah. know. Didn't work. Yeah. Sorry, it must must be stale. Yeah. Stale poison. Uh, Henley again visited the moor on March 1987. So they keep taking her back to see if it'll jog her memory and see if she can find where these other missing bodies are. Mm. Uh, and although she was able to confirm that the area was being searched on target, she could not identify the exact locations of where the children were buried. On July 1st, 1987, Pauline Reed's body... Uh, was found buried in a shallow grave close to where Brady had buried Leslie Ann Downey. Two days later, Brady was taken to the to the moor. So now they took Ann Brady to the moor, but claimed that the landscape had changed too much and he was unable to help the search for Keith Bennett's body. The following month, the search was called off indefinitely. So I don't know if they might have still never found Keith Bennett's body. Mm. So that's sad for his, his parents. Uh, Ian Brady spent the first 19 years of his incarceration at Durham Prison. In November 1985, he was moved to Ashworth Psychiatric Hospital after being diagnosed as a paranoid schizophrenic. Myra suffered a brain aneurysm in 1999 and died in prison on November 15, 2002, from complications brought on by heart disease. Um, and reportedly, over 20 undertakers refused to cremate her remains. 
Why? Because they're like, fuck her. She kills children. Okay. But also, she was in prison, so they usually just put you in a box and throw you in the back of the prison anyway. But, but why would... I, so they wouldn't cremate her because of... I don't understand. What's they the didn't want to do... They didn't want her body there, is what I'm imagining. I don't know. There might be another reason. But that's what I imagine. Like, no, we're not... She's not allowed here. But it's burning. She's ashes at that point. Yeah, man, I don't, I don't oh. own a cremation business. I don't know their, their morals. Yeah, but that's the 20, 20 of them said no. They found 21. He said, yeah, they burned her. Uh, Ian Brady died in May of 2017 from heart disease. As of 2011, Brady was the longest serving prisoner in England and Wales. Mm. And that was the story of Ian Brady and Myra Henley and the Moors murders. Very uh, sad, insane shit. Um, it sounded like, sound like they killed the family. What the Moors? It sounded like they killed the family. Yeah, well, yeah, well, the Moors was just the location. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I thought it was something like that when I, I was like Ian Brady and Myra Henley. Their names aren't Moors. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So, <laughs> um, don't fuck with cats. Was the inspiration? It gave me the idea to do that story, and uh, yeah, that was my last affirmative murder of 2019. Fran, if you, do you have any questions or anything like that? Mm, nah. All right, mm-hmm. cool. Well, we're going to keep the party rolling. And when we come back, it's Fran's turn to tell you his fucked up shit. So stick around. All right. And we are back. Fran, please deliver your last affirmative murder of 2019. Excuse me. So my affirmative murder this week is about the death of Irene Garza. Irene, <clears throat> Irene Garza? Yeah. So Irene Garza was born in 1934. Her parents, Nicholas and Josephina, owned by a dry cleaning owned a dry cleaning business in McKellen, um, Texas, uh, which is a city in Hidalgo County. This is on the South Texas border region known as the Rio Grande Valley. By the time Garza was a teenager, her parents' business had become successful, and the family was able to move from South Side of McKellen, which was majority Latino to a more affluent area on the north side of the city, which was which was majority white. She graduated from McAllen High School. White students made up of white students made up a majority um, at that school, and Garza was the first Latino was the first Latina to become a twirler and a head drum um, head drum major. Mm. So she she was crowned the 1958 Miss All South Texas Sweetheart and was a homecoming queen at Pan American College. At the time of her death, Garza was a second grade teacher. She taught she taught indigent students at a elementary school on the south side of McEllen. In a letter written in a letter written to a friend before her disappearance, Garza Garza described herself as extremely shy, but she expressed fulfillment in her work. Mm. Nothing that she had recently become secretary of her parent teacher association she said that she was beginning to feel more confident in herself a member of the legion of mary garza took her catholic faith seriously in her letter she indicated that she was finding comfort in attending daily mass and communion so garza lived with her parents and on saturday april 16 1960 she told them that she was going to going to confession at sacred heart church in McAllen. Mm. garza was often um Conspicuous, conspicuous in the congrega- congregation because of her shaking appearance, and several parish- parishioners rem- remembered seeing Garza at the church that night. 
So she just was noticeably sh- like shy. Yeah. Or or this night. This night. Okay. This she night. Was so something was shaking. on her mind about yeah. yeah. So when Garza parents did not hear from her that evening, they first thought that she had stayed at the church for midnight mass. When Garza did not return home by 3 a.m., Nicholas and Josephina went to the McAllen Police Department to report her daughter missing. So on April 18th, in the tr- in a trail of evidence stretching several hundred yards, a McKell- several hundred yards down a McKellen Road, passerbys um, found Garza's purse, her left shoe, and her um her lace veil. Which mm. once you start finding shit like that, one yeah. shoe and it's like yeah, yeah. something's wrong. That's concerning. So authorities and volunteers started a search that was the largest in Rio Grande Valley history at that time. A woman called the Garza home. This is weird. So a woman called the Garza home claiming to be Irene. Oh. Saying that she had been kidnapped and taken to a hotel in nearby Hidalgo. But the call was found to have been a false. Oh, wow. Who does that? That's dark. Yeah. And another person told an, told an Edinburgh waitress that he killed Garza but that was found to be a joke made after the after the man had been drinking heavily wow some people just what you find funny is, is yeah. wild yeah so Garza's body was found in a canal on April 21st in a area several miles away from the other evidence from the from the postmortem examination medical examiners could tell that Garza had died of suffocation she was raped while unconscious and beaten. They were bruising over both of her eyes and to the right side of her face. Any physical evidence that might have identified an attacker, such as hair, blood, or semen, appeared to have been washed away during the time the body spent in the canal. Mm. So law enforcement officials questioned about 500 police across several Texas cities, including known sex offenders and Garza's family members and co-workers and ex-boyfriends. They carried out almost 50 polygraph examinations. They offered um, a $2,500 reward for information about her death, which was larger than any amount of money previously offered in a Rio Grande Valley murder case. So South Texas businessman later posted a $10,000 bail um, of reward money. Oh, I'm sorry, $10,000 of reward money. The priest heard heard Garza's last confession. Father John Fate came under... came under suspicion soon after her disappearance. The 27-year-old priest had been at the church since completing seminary training in San Antonio. Mm. So church members reported that Father Fate's confession line moved slowly that night and that he was away from the sanctuary several times. When when the canal at the crime scene was drained um, several days after the discovery of Garza's body, Fate's photo slide viewer was found in the canal. Mm. So fellow priests had noticed scratch marks on Fate's hand after a midnight mass, and they said that it was irregular for Fate to have taken Garza to the church rectory to hear her confession, as he reportedly done, as he reportedly done that night. So the McKellen Police Department initially said that Fate passed the polygraph test, but the tests were later um, said to be inconclusive. Mm. So Fate initially denied hearing Garza's confession in the in the rectory, but he later admitted to having done so. I mean, like, yeah, that's say tough. you don't, and then now nah, I did. So that's tough, though. That's a t- see. I'm always these false confession shit. I'm always, 
I'm always hesitant to say, well, he uh, he admitted to it, even though he said he didn't at first. Now he said he did because that's what happened to the Central Park Five. You know, yeah, true. Like, you know, but I would assume his confession wasn't coerced. I would assume he just lied and then maybe said it changed. You know, he's a priest, so maybe you know his his morals came about and he confessed later. You know, yeah. so I don't know. Sometimes people. Say they did something and they didn't. I don't know. I'm always hesitant about that. Yeah. But that is weird. In this case, if it wasn't forced, why would you then say that you did? Yeah. So he accounted for his absence from the sanctuary by explaining that he had broken his glasses that night. Mm. He said that he often played with his glasses nervously as he listened to confession. Fate said that he had driven back to the to pastoral house to, an, to get another pair of glasses. Mm. And when he arrived, he had no key. So he had climbed into the house on the second floor. He said that he sustained the scratches on his hands as he was climbing outside of a brick structure. And what? The glasses fell? They didn't. What do you mean? Well, they said they found his glasses like in the in the the water or whatever. Well, they were they were broke. So he's saying that's what he left where he was at to go get a new pair of glasses. Right. And then he tried to come back. Okay. So what I'm thinking is. They broke him trying to, when he was supposedly maybe attacked this girl, uh-huh. but he said that he nervously breaks them when he listen, when he's listening to confessions. Mm. But whatever he made up, he made up that to say that I got these scratches on my hand because I had to leave right. and I had and to come back and climb up a brick structure. Yeah. Mm. So three weeks before Garza's um, death, a woman named Maria America Gu- Guerra had been sexually assaulted while kneeling at the communion rail at another Catholic church in the area. I mean, Jeez. now this is like, this is not, not no, it's not a surprise. Yeah, but like, that woman was a teacher, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm used to hearing about priests doing shit with kids. Kids, yeah, right, right, know? right. So, just straight up raping women is, that's a, that's a, that's not something I'm used to hearing. Yeah, so true. You know, that's dark as well, but it, it feels unique to what I'm used to hearing about priests yeah. which is fucking sad that you hear either but for a, a priest to just be involved in that kind of stuff anything anyway. yeah it's not right. that's crazy so rumor held that Father Fate was responsible but local church leaders discouraged people from considering the possibility that a priest could have been involved in a violent crime Fate admitted to visiting a priest at the church of the day of Maria's attack but he denied assaulting her he was so later, I was there, but I just was on coincidence. Yeah. Yep. So he was later charged with rape, and the trial ended in a hung jury. In 1962, rather than facing a second trial, fate entered a plea of no con- a no contest to a misdemeanor charge of aggregated assault, and he paid a $500 fine. I don't even know how you can do that. <laughs> Yep. That's why like if a woman says you raped me and you go, nah, oh, yeah, that was assault. Yeah. And I'll pay a fine. Yep. But I'm not saying I did the rape. I'm like, okay, well then he said he he said he cop, he cops to assault. Yeah. But no, but he raped me though. Well, that's what we can get him on. Yeah. So take it or leave it. So years later, Fate said that he did not understand that a no <laughs> that a no contest plea will be considered a conviction in the case. So he did it, plead to it, and was like, I don't even understand how this is still on my record, I guess. As, I guess it's what yeah. I'm saying. Yep. So after the legal proceedings in the Maria case, Fate was sent to uh, Assumption about Assumption by a um, a Trappist ministry in Missouri, and an abbot there told Monk Dale to to Cheney 
that fate had killed someone and he asked to Cheney to counsel fate for a few months to determine whether fate had the had the des- the disposition to become a monk. Oh, so he just was leaving the, to do a whole nother religion. Yeah, he's <laughs> they 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 too they too strict over here. They're not letting you get your shit off. Trying to you know get my my rapes off. I'm gonna go become a monk. Um, yep. So Dale says that fate confessed to hurting a young lady mm. and murdering another one. Oh wow! But that but that it was not um, Dale's job to judge. It was not his job. It was not Dale's job to judge fate at the time. So this monk's name is Dale. Dale. Dale to Cheney's. Okay, all right. I was like, I was like, I'm thinking monks are like you know Thai, or, yeah, you know something like that. But mm. Dale, I was like, Dale sounds like a white. Dale. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So he was saying that it's not his job to judge fate. Yeah, at the he's time. doing his his job as a, a religious person of his religion is to hear what you're saying, absolve you, yeah. and then move on. But yeah. then he don't cast judgments. But later on, he said. Oh, this dude killed somebody. Yeah. I can't just sit on this. Right. So Fate's confession went unreported to authorities for many years. So Fate did not feel comfortable with the monot- with the monastic um, lifestyle of at Assumption Abai. So which it was just saying he didn't like the lifestyle they live under at whatever they follow religiously. So he didn't get what he signed up for. Yeah. He was like, this is, y- y'all do this? Yeah. So he just, he just didn't like that. No thanks. <laughs> so he was sent to, um... Yemez Springs, New Mexico, to a, a treatment retreat for troubled priests, a troubled priest run by the servants of the Periclete. That's also, that's not what you said. Let's not skip over that to understand what that is. That's super disgusting. Um, they talked about this in that movie Spotlight, where, like, if you get, as a priest, if you molest a kid, at least maybe not now, probably still now. But what they'll do is they'll send you to. Yeah, I was actually gonna. Re- I was actually gonna go back over that because I was okay. like, that's yeah. weird. Yeah. They have a yeah. the whole fucking. They send you somewhere, say you got fixed, and they just put you in a new church. Wow. As opposed to you're fired and you can never be a priest again. They go, we're gonna send you to therapy, quote unquote. You go stay here for a little bit, and then once you're done there, we'll send you to another state, yeah. another another county, to another church. I remember hearing that in that documentary of the lady that lives from that lived in Baltimore. Yeah, the, she was, um, uh, I forgot her the name. Secret, the keepers, the keepers. Yeah, that the keepers, they did the yeah. same thing for that guy, whoever that guy was. They was, yeah. they would whatever. If something happened, they would just bounce them around yep. to different churches. Yep, that is that is nuts. Yep. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So they sent him to these this uh, place called the Servants of the Periclete, which is like a religious aid to help these priests out that's going through this weird shit that they yeah. shouldn't even be going shouldn't through even sexually exist. assaulting yeah. people. Yeah. So fate joined the fate joined the order as a staff member and worked his way into a supervising role at the center. So they put him in charge of talking to people yeah. who are sexually assaulting people. Yeah. Wow. Yep. So you go there for treatment and then I guess you pass the treatment and then, and then you, you get a job. Get a job that's a crazy, like a, that's a crazy system. Yeah, as a supervisor. So you was, you wasn't at the, you're not at the, the bottom of the, yeah, of the chain, but you so you robbed a bank, so we're gonna send you somewhere to learn how to not become a bank robber. Yeah. And at the end of this, you get to work at a bank now. Yeah. <laughs> so Father James Porter came to the center after he was known to have begun molesting children in the 1960s, and fate cleared him for replacement in another parish. Of course. Wow. It's the blind leading the blind, man. Yep. Who are you to say you're you're cured of sexually assault, assaulting people? Yeah. Um. So Porter was later de- defrocked at 
and imprisoned after abusing as many as a hundred children. So he was, um, after just, after fate cleared him. Yeah. So they just whatever he did, they just was like, it doesn't it doesn't even matter. We're yeah. just gonna we're gonna look past that. Yeah. Yep. So fate left the priesthood in the 1970s. He got married, moved to Phoenix to a, moved to the Phoenix area, and had three children. He worked as a how do you how do you be around stuff like this? Didn't have kids. I just I don't I don't understand that. Well, because he doesn't think what he's doing is wrong. <laughs> so it there is no thought of you know should I no, have kids? No thought and, of somebody doing this to your kids. I don't. No, no, that's crazy. No, no. Self centered. That's crazy. Only about himself. Yeah. So he got married, moved to the Phoenix area, had three children. Mm. He worked at the at the Society of Saint Vincent de Paul as a food charity volunteer for 17 years. In 2002, thinking that the Garza murder had taken place in San Antonio because fate had trained there, Dale called authorities in that city and said that he could no longer keep the secret of fate's confession. And it had been 17 years. Yep. Wow. Yep. I mean, better late than never. eating his ass alive all the time. Shit, that's too long, man. Yeah. So an investigation into Garza's death was reopened that year. Texas Rangers investigator Rudy um, Jaramillo contacted Father Joseph O'Brien, a priest who worked with fate at the time of the Garza murder. O'Brien told a television program in 2000 that he did not know anything about about Garza's death. He softened with Rudy, which is the um, the investigator. Mm -hmm. Um, What was that? So he, he softened with Rudy, first telling the investigator that he had suspected fate at the time, mm. then admitting that fate had confessed shortly after the murder. Oh, yep. So in August 2002, the polygraph examiner who tested fate in 1960 said that he questioned the, the reported results. Fate had been said to have passed his polygraph. Documentation was later amended to show that the results were inconclusive, but the examiner felt that, that fate had failed the test. Wow, but he was a priest, so, man. Yeah. Listen, there's a yeah. scene in Spotlight. There's a scene in the movie Spotlight with Mark Ruffalo, and I can't remember who else is in it right now. But at the beginning of the movie, there's a there's a priest at a police station who was there for, like, sexually assaulting a kid. Mm-hmm. And there's one police officer that, you know, says, man, like, this dude's going to jail. And the other police officer's like, okay. Two priests walk into the police station. Say something to the chief, but they pick dude up, walk right out the door. Yeah, that reach is real, man. Yeah, religion is is not is unfuckwittable, man. Yeah, they bring it up. They can change some shit. Yep. Oh, that's crazy. Yep, they bring it up. So Rene Guerra served as a district attorney in Hidalgo County from the 1980s until 20 until 2014. Um, Guerra chose not to bring the Garza case before a grand jury until 2004. Dale, O'Brien, and Fate did not receive did not receive subpoenas in the case, and the grand jury declined to indict Fate. But O'Brien died in two thousand five. So as a witness, though, yep. gone. Yep. So Guerrero, Guerrero was reluctant to revisit the case, saying that the early police investigation had been had been shoddy, that O'Brien was suffering from dementia when he was questioned. <laughs> yep. And that there was no physical evidence. They are all doing this woman Garza. Terribly wrong. Yeah. The, all these people should be ashamed of themselves. Yep. They all obstructed justice, and 
and and help keep this case unsolved for like 20 years man yeah that's crazy yep um so he said that um Geromolo had an inappropriate inappropriately fed Dale the location of the murder after the monk mistakenly said that it occurred in San Antonio. Guerra angered Garza's family by asking this shit was kind of fucked up. Asking, why would anyone be haunted by her death? She she's dead. Oh, she died. Her killer got away. Who said this? This was the um the detective? No, this was the district attorney. Oh. Why is that why are they so like not being objective? Yeah. Like you come to my house saying that you might not walk out. Yeah. Be completely like, oh, your daughter died, man. Nobody cares. What? <laughs> Aren't yep. you supposed to be like on the side of justice? Yep. Crazy. So in twenty fourteen, District Court Judge Ricardo Rodriguez campaigned to unseat Guerra as a district attorney and the Garza case arose as a campaign a campaign issue. So he was like, For me to get in office, I gotta um campaign say we're gonna reopen this case mm. so this so I can win this. There's been stories of that being people's way to get jobs as district attorney and stuff and then they get the job and they don't they don't, don't come back and do it, man. That's why I mean, that odd nine Saeed case here in Maryland mm-hmm. there was somebody running on if they if they get the job, they'll open the case, reopen the case and all this kind of stuff. He didn't get the job though. Hmm. Uh so yeah, so his his thing was, you know, I'll if I win the votes or whatever, when if I can get office I'll I'll reopen this case. Mm-hmm. So Rodriguez said that he wanted justice for Gar- for the Garza family. He said that he would take a new look at the Garza's case if he was elected. Rodriguez won the election. And the days after the vote was announced, Guerra sought to appoint Rodriguez as a special prosecutor in the Garza case. Rodriguez declined, mm. saying that he preferred to take a new look at at the evidence once he took control of the district attorney's office in January 2015. Mm. I'm so going to get like, back to you on that. Yeah. Yep. Never. Yep. We'll put a pin in this. We'll come back to it at never 30. What? No, I mean, he did, though. Oh, he did? Okay. He did. Oh, okay. But I, I think she wanted to work with him. I guess when she found out that, oh, he's going to use this as his campaign for me for him to take my job yeah so I want you to work with me he's like nah yeah this is I'm gonna I'm gonna win it. this and then I'm gonna run this I'm gonna yeah. run this case and oh, I'm gonna do it the way I want she tried to compromise yep. oh okay got yep. it got it got misheard yep. okay got it so in April he announced that the Garza case was reopened again without mentioning any suspects or elaborating on new evidence he said that several employees in his office were working on the case in February 2016 Fate was arrested in Scottsdale Arizona mm. he was he was 83 years old at the time of his arrest. Grandkids and he and used a, a soup yep, kitchen and yep. all that shit. He used a walker, and when he appeared in court, Fate was extradited to Texas in March 2016 and incarcerated at the Hidalgo County Sheriff's Office, um, adult a t- detention facility. Dude's was 83 years old. Hey, man, there's no there's no statute of limitations on uh, you know murder and all this type of shit, man. That's fucked up. Yep. I highly recommend this documentary series on Netflix called The Devil Next Door. Okay. Um, It's about a guy. I think I have that in my list. Yeah, it's about a guy who they think was a a Nazi. Uh, He, like, worked at a death camp and killed people. And the argument, it took him so long to convict him. And the argument was, 
well, the Holocaust was like 50 years, not the argument, his family was saying like, yeah. the, the Holocaust was like 50 years ago, man. Like, why are we still, why are you still coming after this man? It's like, they think he killed thousands of people, man. It doesn't matter. How, how old was he? He was, was like he, Was he dead? Oh, he was no, still alive. Yeah, he's still alive. He's oh, like, I watched yeah, that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so um, he was held at the adult detention center, detention facility in Texas. He entered a plea of not guilty. The prosecution requested a $750,000 bond. Mm. While the defense team asked for a hundred thousand dollar bond, adding that fate had stage three, stage three kidney and bladder cancer, mm. Judge Lewis Singletary set a one million dollar bond. Damn. Um. So status hearings in the case were held in June and November in 2016, and the discovery process was ongoing as of November. In February 2017, a judge set a late April 2017 trial date. And fate remained under medical supervision at the Hidalgo County Jail. In April, fate's defense filed for a change of venue because they believed that their clients would not receive a fair and impartial trial mm. in um, Hidalgo County. They filed a 700-page document with evidence showing that reporters allegedly condemned fate as a murderer and that the only reason why he avoided prosecution for, for years was because of the Catholic Church protected him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, big time. Big time. So sometime in March, Dale testified against fate in a closed deposition that was permitted under Texas law given the witness's age and exclusive knowledge of the case. Mm. So on May 24th, Judge Singletary heard arguments from the plaintiff and the defense on the request for the change of venue. So on June 7th, he denied a request for a change of venue after considering that the defendant failed to prove that there was that there was prejudice against him in the Hidalgo County. I mean, mm. in the Hidalgo community. So he just said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So on July 19th, Fate appeared in court for a pre-hearing. The trial was expected to place on September 11th. However, on September 10th, the court decided to push the trial back because of the rescheduling conflicts. One of Fate's attorney was defending another high-profile murder suspect in Hidalgo County. Fucking mm. lawyers, busy as shit. Yeah. So fate appeared in court on September 11th for the first time without prison uniform expected to face trial that week. The initial phase of jury selection was done in mid September. The trial was delayed until mid October on October 30th face defense filed a motion for continuance. Jury selection was reset to November 14th. Oh, they just so they just kept. Yeah, they they're trying to stall till this guy dies crazy. And then November 6th trial date was moved back to November 28th. Yeah, they're just trying to... Because st- if you die, you die innocent. This shit was supposed to happen in August. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> so on December 7th, Fate was con- convicted of Garza's murder. Oh. In the punishment phase of the trial, Fate's defense attorney asked that Fate be given probation, citing his lack of felony convictions since Garza's death. Wow. The prosecution asked for a sentence of 57 years, which was symbolic of the amount of time that had passed since Garza's death. I fuck with that. On December 8th, the jury pronounced a sentence pronounced a sentence of life in prison. Now, he did con- he did get convicted. Mhm. But as a family as as a family member that's that is way too long. Yeah. And he's uh, he's already dying. Lived he's already going to die. Passed his legacy on. He's got kids carrying on his Genetics and all these things like that. I just, I wouldn't feel. I just wouldn't. That's feel an unsatisfactory. That. That's an unsatisfactory conclusion because they could have gave him twenty years and that would have been a life yeah. sentence. They, you know, they got him was eighty three. 
He's dying. He about to die. He got stage three cancer. So it's like that. I'm like, man, this doesn't. Lived even, whole, he lived the whole full life. Moved somewhere. Got to start over. Crazy. You become a soup kitchen dude and have a family and a wife and all those things like that. Yeah, man, that's tough. Sometimes justice isn't doesn't come with uh, a happy ending. But before that, you push into like, no, we want we want this to get solved. But then it's yeah. like. But look at like how many forces they had working against them. They had the Catholic Church. They had people who were like just the Catholic is, Church alone. Yo, that's big. That's big. That's big. But also you got people who are saying, "Well, this is a priest, man. You can't do this to a priest." There's that. There's that kind of bias, and who knows how that played a role early on when it first happened, where they're going, "Nah, man, you can't say this kind of stuff about a priest." And then that guy Dale just deciding not to say anything for yeah. however long, and then the longer it goes, the less reliable his testimony is. Then another guy died. Yeah, you know, it's like. There's so much against this, you know? Yeah, so that was the death of Irene Garza. This, I got this case from um, Cold Case Files. Okay. I like Cold Case Files case. It's, it's always it's always like a different, when you read them, it's just, you think it's this person, then it's not it him. Then it actually is that person. But mm. Yeah, so um, that was the death of Irene Garza. Rest in peace to her. For sure. Tragic. But some priests, man, I'm not even going to get into that. But Yeah, we don't, we, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> Any questions? I have no questions, okay. man. Let's 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 uh let's wrap this up with some good vibes and send people off into 2020 right. That's right, folks. Welcome to the last segment of Good Vibes in the year of 2019. Uh, you know, we're going to send you guys off into 2020 with some positive energy before the end of the winter holidays. And, you know, so, uh, Fran, do you want to kick things off? You want yeah, me? I'll go first. Okay, please. So my good vibes this week and my last good vibes of 2019. This little girl may only be four years old, but she has already proven herself to be a real life Wonder Woman. This mm. little girl got like a, she got a Wonder Woman outfit on, got a, you know how Wonder Woman stands yeah. with a fist yeah. on her hip. So... Um, Isla Isla Glaser I S L A. Yep. Isla yes, Isla Glaser had been at at her home in Somerset, New Jersey, with her family earlier this month, when her mother Haley suddenly collapsed unconscious. Mm. Since her mother failed to move or open her eyes, Isla called nine nine one one and reported the situation the situation to the Franklin Township Police Department. After calmly providing her address to the dispatcher, mm. the youngster waited until EMTs arrived on the scene so that she could use a chair to reach and unlock the door. Sounds super adorable. According to the New Jersey 12 News, Isla then kept the family's three 80-pound rescue dogs under control as medical officials attended her mother. On top of that, she kept a two-year-old sister and twin one-year-old brother calm, wow. calm, yep, by feeding them yogurt. Oh, wow. So Isla's mother ended up being hospitalized for bacteria infection for four days. Mm. And is in a, and it is quite like, likely that she may not have survived the medical emergency if it had not been for her daughter. Isla was later honored by the police department with a certif- certificate of heroism, an official police badge, and a tour of the station. He said, I know adults that cannot handle that kind of incident with, with that much bravery, poise, and distinction. Lieutenant Philip Rizzo of the Franklin, Town, Franklin Township Police Department said during the news conference for that 
this young lady needs to be commended. For absolutely. Shout out to Isla. Yeah. Big With time. her being four years old. She if I to- yeah, if I told Sophie the address, I would have repeated. She'll repeat it. I'll come back 10 minutes later. What's the address? I don't know. <laughs> so that scares me. So now I got yeah, to go home and that. I got to get on that. They got to work on that. Because <laughs> I think it's super important for kids to know like their date of birth, their address. and Because kind of yeah. if they get lost, if there's something happening at their house, they need to get somewhere, whatever, you should know your address. Your parents' cell phone number at this point. When I was a kid, it was like you need to know your home phone number. I'm yeah. gonna drill that into my head. But who has a home phone these days? So like one of your parents' cell phone numbers, just pick the pick one of them. Who remembers numbers? I mean, a little kid should try to know at least. Yeah, their, true. Their, I know my mom's number, but she's also had the same phone number since like 2006. Yeah. Somehow, I don't even know how. Um, probably earlier than that. Uh, yeah, man, that's super. That's super adorable, and she is a Wonder Woman. My good vibes is a little bit different energy. This is a shout out to all the people with those New Year's resolutions coming up. Um, yeah, uh, I, sure. <laughs> I found a good vibes about a scientist who has discovered a brain circuit linked to food impulsivity, hmm. and it could lead to new treatments for overeating. Okay. So for all those how people, do you overeat? Oh, you know, you get to that point where you're like, I'm stuffed, and then you eat more. I don't and know. And then you're in pain. And, well, you are a rail. Yeah. You know, you haven't had to go through. So you overeat. I've been known to overeat sometimes. Sometimes you eat three slices of pizza, but you're like, but it's two left. I'm full, but it's two slices of pizza left. That's gross. Let me just go and eat those. Yeah, that's gross. Don't judge me. I'm just saying. I will get into my don't. You don't eat, and then like if you get full, you're like, if I eat another, I'm going to throw up. No, I'm not going to quit. Okay. I got the 16-wing platter. I'm going to eat 10. You know how- That's disgusting. are, Are you a fan of microwave wings? I'm not. No, I'm not. I like my wings fresh. Yes. So why would I eat these wings tomorrow when I can eat them now? They're good now. I don't want to eat them, eat bad wings tomorrow. I'll eat these good wings now and just deal with the consequences in, in, in two hours when I'm like, oh. You would deal with it. A stomach ache? Hershey squirts it's, and all that stomach, shit? Stomach ache isn't the thing. It's like feeling like your stomach's going to explode because it's so full of food. Okay. It's a first world problem. Anyways... Um, so here's the situation. You're on a diet, but the aroma of popcorn, and this is going to, I'm going to paint the picture for you. I'm going to help you. Okay? okay. You're on a diet, but the aroma of popcorn in the movie theater lobby triggers a seemingly irresistible crave. For me, it'd be the, the popcorn and you get some, um, some fucking junior mints and some fucking, uh, um, some goobers throw those in the popcorn. Now you're going to town. Now that you're talking gross. my language. That is extremely gross. What do you mean? It's buttered chocolate peanut. Nah, man. You're out of your mind. Anyways, you've nah. spoken like a true skinny person. Anyways, nah. within seconds. Popcorn, you go through candy in there? Chocolate. Popcorn nope. and Reese's? Nope. I can't relate on that one. I'm done with you. Let me finish. Popcorn story. and Reese's? Yes. Together? That's, you get the salty and the sweet? That's the perfect combination. No, it's gross. You're delusional. Anyway. You shouldn't with- eat Reese's because of that. Don't I don't eat Reese's. I don't ever Good. get to eat Reese's. You Good. eat them all, all the time. Anyway, That's why you don't have it. Within seconds, you've ordered a tub of the stuff and eat and have eaten several handfuls of the popcorn. Because you can't just eat one popcorn one piece at a time. You dig in there, you get a handful. Yeah. It's falling down your shirt. Salt, butter. Yeah, all around your mouth. You put greasy. salt in the popcorn? Yeah, of Okay. Course. What am I, an animal? Anyway, impulsivity has been linked not only to exce- excessive food intake, binge eating, weight gain, and obesity, but several psychiatric disorders, including addictions and ex- excessive gambling. What is weight gain? Oh, it's so funny. I haven't gained a pound. I yeah, pound since yeah, fucking high school. Since like sixth grade. Yeah. So, 
hilarious, man. So that fast metabolism is so nice to be you. Anyway, a team of researchers that includes a faculty member at, a, at the University of Georgia has now indicated, I mean, has now identified a specific circuit in the brain that alters food impulsivity, creating the possibility scientists can someday develop therapeutic therapeutics to address overeating. A quote from the story is, uh, there's underlying psychology in your brain that is regulating your capacity to say no, i.e. impulsive eating. Uh, this was um, a quote from Emily Noble, an, uh, an assistant professor at the University of Georgia College. Um, she also said, in, ex in experimental models, you can activate that, cir uh, that circuitry and get a specific behavioral response. Using a rat model, researchers found researchers focused on a subject's brain cells that produce a type of transmitter in the hypothalamus called melanin, con, uh, mel called yeah melanin concentrating hormone (MCH). Uh, according to teams published, uh, according to teams published paper earlier this month in the Journal of Nat uh, Nature Communications. Uh, basically, I don't really feel like reading all this scientific jargon. Basically, they've they've started to crack the code on uh, the link between a certain neuron in your brain and overeating and not being able to say no to things and, and impulsivity itself, but yeah. specifically um, starting off in overeating. Now, one of my biggest fears is that the planet's going to turn into Wally. I don't know if you saw Wally, but in the movie Wally, that robot movie, yeah, in the yeah. movie Wally, Wally's just left on the planet. All the humans have left Earth because they've just they've destroyed the planet. The, the, the movie's actually pretty accurate to the way it looks like society's going. Mm -hmm. And now all these humans live on this sky station in the space. Okay, and everybody's obese. They hmm. all sit in floating chairs, and the chairs soda comes out of the chairs and food comes out of the chairs wow. and they just have a TV in front of their face and they float around the space station fat too fat no ankles mm. you know they just have like 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 cankles like mm -hmm. like yeah. leg leg knee thigh foot calf foot boom yeah. uh, and they're just sitting in their chairs they don't ever get up and my biggest fear is that we're headed that, dire that direction one of my favorite shows is my 600 pound life because I'm just obsessed with the psychology of somebody getting into that position eating that amount of food to get to that point you know, if I gain 20 pounds, I feel like, oh, man, I need to get my shit together. So I couldn't imagine being 490, you know, yeah. 625, and I can't get out of bed and these kind of things. So I'm obsessed with the psychology that it's the same with hoarders for me. So they're saying, you know, we might someday be able to come up with some kind of th therapy to where we can stop you from not being able to say no. Because hmm. that's the real issue. If you're eating 15, 20,000 calories a day, that's insane. If you eat two thousand calories, that's that's on the that's on the high side some days. But to eat twenty, you have to really work to eat twenty thousand calories in a day. That means you had a massive breakfast, a massive lunch. You ate snacks all day, and then you had a massive <laughs> and then you had a massive dinner. Yeah, you know, you're so, just like eating all day. You're eating all day and just sitting in the house all day watching yeah. Maury Povich, watching Jerry Springer, watching oh, whatever. Pfft. So the psychology of doing that to yourself it fascinates me. And if there's some way to someday uh, stop people from being able to not say no when they see food, when they see uh, uh, dice for a dice game. Just stopping impulsion, I'm into. Now, would that, that might hinder the show that I love, but I'm okay with that trade-off. I'm fine with there being no more My 600 Pound Life because there's no more 600 pound people on the planet. And I'm not saying this isn't, this pounds, is, I'm not yeah. like, like, this isn't like me, I'm not being anti-Lizzo or fat shaming people. I'm not saying be who you are, but being morbidly obese is unhealthy. 
That is that is the, a fact. Yeah, but Lizzo's not 600 pounds. I know, but I'm just oh. saying, there's been a lot of people attacking that girl for, you know, having her ass, her ass out at the Lakers game. And no, that, she did That was wild. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a time and a place. But th- that's... That been, ain't uh, it. That ain't it. <laughs> but there, but I'm not saying anything about lose weight. I'm not saying yeah. that. But if Lizzo weighed 600 pounds, I would say, Lizzo, you're in, you're, you're in danger of dying. That's yeah. the reality of when you get to real overweight territory yeah. you're like you're in danger of dying it's not healthy yeah so i don't I mean, want you got eight pizzas yeah. yeah so i don't want people to i don't want people to die yeah you know i'm not i'm, I'm not I'm, I'm not talking from an aesthetic point i'm not saying like it's not cute i'm, I'm not talking about any of that i'm talking purely, healthy i'm talking purely about your arteries are clogged you're you are you can't walk for very long you are unhealthy you're going to die at an early age i work with a lot of people who are very overweight and are like in their thirties, have breathing really? issues. Yeah, because 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 at my job, it's like you drive, you get off, go to a buffet, get a bunch of food, come back to work, sit in a car again, and drive some more. You're not mm. doing anything, but you're eating four thousand calories that day. So it's yeah. a real easy slippery slope to just gain a bunch of weight. Yeah. You know? So I just have a I have a concern, and I, and I don't want people to. Especially when it's compulsive, when it's a disease, it sounds yeah. like when it's like I can't say no to food. I hear that so much on on my six hundred pound life, so this feels like good vibes to me because obviously you know New Year's is coming around. It's gonna be a whole bunch of people getting gym memberships, and I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna do that, and I'm gonna do that. Well, there's some people who say I can't do those things because I physically have, I mentally have some kind of block in my brain due to trauma, due to whatever. Food is my comfort, and maybe someday there will be a treatment for those people who I don't want, who say I don't want to be this big. I don't, I don't want to eat all day every day but i just can't say no i yeah. just i start and i can't stop that's compulsiveness and um you know i think that that would be good for you know people to 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 not have a compulsion if they if they don't want to have it so that's my good yeah. vibes i didn't feel like reading all the nerdy jargon about science books and all that kind of stuff because who cares who wants to read yeah nobody wants to hear that yeah so. anyway so um it's been a hell of a ride yeah um 2020 is right around the corner it's been a fun year. Another one bites the dust. Yep. You know, we're going to keep the party going. Uh, yeah, man, you got anything else to add? I mean, shit, it's um, 2019, I man. hope 2020 is better year. Yeah. Not saying I had a bad year, but... But uh, you can always get better. Get better year. Um, I hope around this time next year, a goal of mine is I'm going to have us a studio to record in. Whoa. Yeah. So that's a goal of mine. Big goal. Yeah. Okay. So write it down. I'll write it down. Yeah. I'll write it down in pencil though. I'm not gonna okay. I, don't, I, don't yeah, you, cool. I don't want you to stress out. I mean, you got kids and stuff. Yeah. I write it in pencil so if it well, doesn't I'm happen. Well, I'm making I'm making that goal because I got some big plans coming twenty twenty. Okay. And I think it may it may be a life changing year for me, twenty twenty. <sighs> Your lips to God's ears, man. I'm yeah. all about it. Uh but like I said, you know, you know, put us put put that at the bottom of your list. You know, because, you know, I can hold it down in this little space we got. So if it doesn't come true, which I'm all for it coming true. Let, let's, let's be clear about that. But if it doesn't come true, I'm going to write it in pencil so you can go erase it 2021. Yeah. We'll just make it tw- put an asterisk put, uh, Yeah, just change it. Just, just in case I put, like, we get some more expensive mics. Yeah, you know, boom. Yeah, you know, we, made, we, we, we upgraded it. it. It became a new studio in a sense, no matter what. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, even you if go. it's just new equipment yep. or new or new studio. Either way. We gonna 2021. I mean, 2020 is gonna be a big year. That'll be dope. Uh, you know, but to everybody out there, thanks for listening. Thanks for being, you know, participating. We appreciate everybody that listens. Everybody that spreads the word. Um, if you're not busy and you want to give us a Christmas present, um, please get on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five star review. 
and you know, and and some words of kindness or whatever. If you yeah. if it's if it's fuck us, fuck us. But leave us the five stars, bro. Like on your way out, if you don't fuck with the pod, leave a five star. Yeah. It's not hurting anybody, you know. Because I can come find you if that's how you really want to carry it. You know, like it's it, the same energy. It can go down it. that way. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't, you know, you want to mock me or you got some words to say, leave the five stars. Tell us what we did wrong. But appreciate two people trying. Yeah. One of my favorite, most recent, before we go, one of my favorite, most recent uh, reviews that we got was love to see two black men getting paid. And I said, oh, sorry. Hmm. Who told you that? She was talking about us. I, oh, <laughs> it was on our I don't know maybe she was talking about Jesus and Mero or something yeah. like that because uh, we don't get paid a shit thing nah. so um, a paid and you know love and kindness maybe but we are not being paid ma- uh, ma'am nah. sir whoever you are yeah. but we appreciate the sentiment uh, but with that being said I've been Alvin Williams joined as always by my partner in true crime Franco Evans and we see you guys next year deuces Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.